Blog Talk Radio. This is no fantasy, no careless product of wild imagination. No, my good friends, these indictments I've brought you today, specific charges listed herein against the individuals, their acts of treason, their ultimate aim of sedition. These are matters of undeniable fact. I ask you now to pronounce judgment on those accused. On this, this mindless aberration whose only means of expression are wanton violence and destruction. Once trusted by this council, charged with maintaining the defense of the planet itself, chief architect of this intended revolution and author of this insidious plot to establish a new order amongst us, with himself as absolute ruler. You have heard the evidence. The decision of the council will now be heard. Guilty. 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 They're all guilty, that's for sure. Uh, You know, late night show, obviously, just throwing a show on here. But uh, it's most important. It's just got to constantly be drilled in people's heads. And and it's very – I hear it in the conversations that we have all the time, and and people sidetrack, and we have to always stay focused on the most important issue. And we know money funds these wars and we know both you know, both sides of the war are funded by what? The central bankers, the money changers, the Federal Reserve banking cartel. So let's of course go over the Federal Reserve and it's not that hard. When I'm I gotta go over three hours, I'll give you a few minutes here and there of key components of probably the most important documentary that explains the Federal Reserve. So you guys can understand it and maybe get it drilled into your head. And I know most people do it, but they get lazy and they shouldn't do that. So, where we're at right now. Private companies. But more directly, U.S. courts have ruled time and time again that the Fed is a private corporation. Why can't Congress do something about the Fed? Most members of Congress just don't understand the system, and the few who do are afraid to speak up. For example, initially, a veteran congressman from Chicago Ask us if he could be interviewed for this video. However, both times our camera crew arrived at his office to do the interview, this was all we were able to film. The congressman never appeared and eventually decided he no longer wanted to participate. But a few others in Congress have been bolder over the years. Here are three quick examples. In 1923, Representative Charles A. Lindbergh, a Republican from Minnesota, and father of the famed aviator Lucky Lindy, put it this way, 
the financial system has been turned over to the Federal Reserve Board. That board administers the finance system by authority of a purely profiteering group. The system is private, conducted for the sole purpose of obtaining the greatest possible profits from the use of other people's money. One of the most outspoken critics in Congress of the Fed was the former chairman of the House Banking and Currency Committee during the Great Depression years. Lewis T. McFadden, Republican of Pennsylvania, said in 1932, we have in this country one of the most corrupt institutions the world has ever known. I refer to the Federal Reserve Board. This evil institution has impoverished the people of the United States and has practically bankrupted our government. It has done this through the corrupt practices of the moneyed vultures who control it. Senator Barry Goldwater was a frequent critic of the Fed. Most Americans have no real understanding of the operation of the international moneylenders. The accounts of the Federal Reserve System have never been audited. It operates outside the control of Congress and manipulates the credit of the United States. The Federal Reserve really, even though it is not part of the federal government, it is more powerful than the federal government. It's more powerful than the president, the Congress, and the courts. Now, a lot of people challenge me on that, but let me prove my case. The Federal Reserve determines what the average person's car payment is going to be, what their house payment is going to be, and whether they have a job or not. And I submit to you that that's total control. And the Federal Reserve is the largest single creditor of the United States government. What does Proverbs tell us? The borrower is servant to the lender. What one has to understand is that from the day the Constitution was adopted right up to today, the folks who profit from privately owned central banks, as Madison called them, the money changers, have fought a running battle for control over who gets to print America's money. Why is who prints the money so important? Think of money as just another commodity. If you have a monopoly on a commodity that everyone needs, everyone wants, and nobody has enough of, there are lots of ways to make a profit and also exert tremendous political influence. That's what this battle is all about. Throughout the history of the United States, the money power has gone back and forth between Congress and some sort of privately owned central bank. The Founding Fathers knew the evils of a privately owned central bank. First of all, they had seen how the privately owned British central bank the Bank of England had run up the British national debt to such an extent that Parliament had been forced to place unfair taxes on the American colonies. In fact, as we'll see later, Ben Franklin claimed that this was the real cause of the American Revolution. Most of the Founding Fathers realized the potential dangers of banking and feared bankers' accumulation of wealth and power. Jefferson put it this way, I sincerely believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. The issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. That succinct statement of Jefferson is, in fact, the solution to all our economic problems today. It bears repeating. The issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. 
James Madison, the main author of the Constitution, agreed. Interestingly, he called those behind the central bank scheme money changers. Madison strongly criticized their actions. History records that the money changers have used every form of abuse, intrigue, deceit, and violent means possible to maintain their control over governments by controlling money and its issuance. The battle over who gets to issue our money has been the pivotal issue throughout the history of the United States. Wars are fought over it. Depressions are caused to acquire it. Yet after World War I, this battle was rarely mentioned in newspapers or history books. Why? By World War I, the money changers, with their dominant wealth, had seized control of most of the nation's press. Throughout U.S. history, this battle over who gets the power to issue our money has raged. In fact, it's changed hands back and forth eight times since 1764. Yet this fact has virtually vanished from public view for over three generations behind a smokescreen admitted by Fed cheerleaders in the media. Until we stop talking about deficits and government spending and start talking about who controls how much money we have, it's all just a big shell game, a complete and utter deception. It won't matter if you pass an ironclad amendment to the Constitution mandating a balanced budget. Our situation is only going to get worse until we root out the cause at its source. What's the solution for our national problem? First of all, education. That's what this video presentation is all about. But secondly, we must act. We must take back the power to issue our own money. Issuing our own money is not a radical solution. I want to stress that. It's the same solution used at different points in U.S. history by men like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, and Abraham Lincoln. So, to sum it up, in 1913, Congress gave an independent central bank, deceptively named the Federal Reserve, a monopoly over issuing America's money, and the debt generated by this quasi-private corporation is what is killing the American economy. So the Federal Reserve is now the most powerful central bank in the world. It was not the first. So where did this idea come from? To really understand the magnitude of the problem, we have to travel back to Europe. Just who are these money changers James Madison spoke of? In the Bible 2,000 years ago, Jesus drove the money changers from the temple. It was the only time Jesus used force during his ministry. What were money changers doing in the temple? When Jews came to Jerusalem to pay their temple tax, they could only pay it with a special coin, the half shekel of the sanctuary. This was a half ounce of pure silver about this size. It was the only coin around at that time which was pure silver and of assured weight without the image of a pagan emperor. Therefore, to Jews, the half shekel was the only coin acceptable to God. But these coins were not plentiful. The money changers had cornered the market on them. Then they raised the price, just like any other commodity, to whatever the market would bear. 
In other words, money changers were making exorbitant profits because they held a virtual monopoly on money. The Jews had to pay whatever they demanded. To Jesus, this totally violated the sanctity of God's house. But the money-changing scam did not originate in Jesus' day. 200 years before Christ, Rome was having trouble with money changers. Two early Roman emperors had tried to diminish the power of the money changers by reforming usury laws and limiting land ownership to 500 acres. They were both assassinated. In 48 BC, Julius Caesar took back the power to coin money from the money changers and minted coins for the benefit of all. With this new plentiful supply of money, he built great public works projects. By making money plentiful, Caesar won the love of the common man, but the money changers hated him. Some believe this was an important factor in Caesar's assassination. One thing is for sure, with the death of Caesar came the demise of plentiful money in Rome. Taxes increased, as did corruption. Just as in the case of America today, usury and debased coin became the rule. Eventually, the Roman money supply was reduced by 90%. As a result, the common people lost their lands and their homes, just as is about to happen soon in America. With the demise of plentiful money, the masses lost confidence in the Roman government and refused to support it. Rome plunged into the gloom of the Dark Ages. A thousand years after the death of Christ, money changers, those who loan out and manipulate the quantity of money, were active in medieval England. In fact, they were so active that acting together, they could manipulate the entire English economy. These were not bankers per se. The money changers generally were the goldsmiths. They were the first bankers because they started keeping other people's gold for safekeeping in their vaults. The first paper money was merely a receipt for gold left at the goldsmith. Paper money caught on because it was more convenient than carrying around a lot of heavy gold and silver coins. Eventually, goldsmiths noticed that only a small fraction of the depositors ever came in and demanded their gold at any one time. Goldsmiths started cheating on the system. They discovered that they could print more money than they had gold, and usually no one would be the wiser. Then they could loan out this extra money and collect interest on it. This was the birth of fractional reserve banking, that is, loaning out many times more money than you have assets on deposit. So if $1,000 in gold were deposited with them, they could loan out about $10,000 in paper money and draw interest payments on it, and no one would ever discover the deception. By this means, goldsmiths gradually accumulated more and more wealth and used this wealth to accumulate more and more gold. Today, this practice of loaning out more money than there are reserves is known as fractional reserve banking. Every bank in the United States is allowed to loan out at least 10 times more money than they actually have. That's why they get rich on charging, let's say, 8% interest. It's not really 8% per year, which is their income. It's 
That's why bank buildings are always the largest in town. But does that mean that all interest or all banking should be illegal? Hardly. In the Middle Ages, canon law, the law of the Catholic Church, forbade charging interest on loans. This concept followed the teachings of Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas. They taught that the purpose of money was to serve the members of society to facilitate the exchange of goods needed to lead a virtuous life. Interest, in their belief, hindered this purpose by putting an unnecessary burden on the use of money. In other words, interest was contrary to reason and justice. Reflecting church law in the Middle Ages, Europe forbade charging interest on loans and made it a crime called usury. As commerce grew and therefore opportunities for investment arose in the late Middle Ages, it came to be recognized that to loan money had a cost for the lender, both in risk and in lost opportunity. So some charges were allowed, but not interest per se. But all moralists, no matter what religion, condemn fraud, oppression of the poor, and injustice is clearly immoral. As we will see, fractional reserve lending is rooted in a fraud, results in widespread poverty, and reduces the value of everyone else's money. The ancient goldsmiths discovered that extra profits could be made by rowing the economy between easy money and tight money. When they made money easier to borrow, then the amount of money in circulation expanded. Money was plentiful. People took out more loans to expand their businesses. But then the money changes would tighten the money supply. They would make loans more difficult to get. What would happen? Just what happens today? A certain percentage of people could not repay their previous loans and could not take out new loans to repay the old ones. Therefore, they went bankrupt and had to sell their assets to the goldsmiths for pennies on the dollar. The same thing is still going on today. Only today, we call this rowing of the economy up and down the business cycle. Like Julius Caesar, King Henry I of England finally resolved to take the money power away from the goldsmiths about 1100 AD. Henry could have used anything as money, seashells, feathers, or even yak dung, as is often done in remote Tibetan provinces. But he invented one of the most unusual money systems in history. It was called the tally stick system. Here I have one of the few surviving examples of this form of British money, which lasted 726 years until 1826, a tally stick. The tally system was adopted to avoid the monetary manipulation of the goldsmiths. Tally sticks were money fabricated out of sticks of polished wood. Notches were cut along one edge of the stick to indicate the denominations. Then the stick was split lengthwise through the notches so that both pieces still had a record of the notches. The king kept one half to protect against counterfeiting. Then he would spend the other half into the economy and they would circulate as money. This particular tally stick is huge. It represented 25,000 pounds. One of the original stockholders in the Bank of England purchased his original shares with this stick. 
In other words, he bought shares in the world's richest and most powerful corporations with a stick of wood. It's ironic that after its formation in 1694, the Bank of England attacked the tally stick system because it was money outside the power of the money changers, just as King Henry had wanted it to be. Why do people accept sticks of wood for money? That's a great question. Throughout history, people traded anything they thought had value and used as money. You see, the secret is that money is only what people agree on to use as money. What's our paper money today? It's really just paper. But here's the trick. King Henry ordered that tally sticks had to be used to pay the king's taxes. This built-in demand for tally sticks immediately made them circulate and be accepted as money. And they worked well. In fact, no other form of money has worked so well for so long as tally sticks. Keep in mind, the British Empire was built under the tally stick system. The tally stick system succeeded despite the fact that the money changers constantly attacked it by offering the metal coin system as competition. In other words, metal coins never went completely out of circulation, but tally sticks hung on because they were good for the payment of taxes. Finally, in the 1500s, King Henry VIII relaxed the laws concerning usury, and the money changers wasted no time reasserting themselves. They quickly made their gold and silver money plentiful for a few decades. But when Queen Mary took the throne and tightened the usury laws again, the money changers renewed the hoarding of gold and silver coins, forcing the economy to plummet. When Queen Mary's sister, Queen Elizabeth I, took the throne, she was determined to regain control over English money. Her solution was to issue gold and silver coins from the public treasury and take the control over the money supply away from the money changers. Although control over money was not the only cause of the English Revolution in 1642, religious differences fueled the conflict, monetary policy played a major role. Financed by the money changers, Oliver Cromwell finally overthrew King Charles, purged the parliament, and put the king to death. The money changers were immediately allowed to consolidate their financial power. The result was that for the next 50 years, the money changers plunged Great Britain into a series of costly wars. They took over a square mile of property in the center of London, known as the City of London. This area today is still known as one of the three predominant financial centers of the world. Conflicts with the Stuart Kings led the money changers in England to combine with those in the Netherlands to finance the invasion of William of Orange, who overthrew the Stuarts in 1688 and took the English throne. By the end of the 1600s, England was in financial ruin. Fifty years of more or less continuous wars with France and Holland had exhausted her. Frantic government officials met with the money changers to beg for the loans necessary to pursue their political purposes. The price was high, a government-sanctioned, privately-owned bank which could issue money created out of nothing. It was to be the modern world's first privately-owned central bank, the Bank of England. 
although it was deceptively called the Bank of England to make the general population think it was part of the government, it was not. Like any other private corporation, the Bank of England sold shares to get started. The investors, whose names were never revealed, were supposed to put up one and a quarter million British pounds in gold coin to buy their shares in the bank, but only 750,000 pounds was ever received. Despite that, the bank was duly chartered in 1694 and started out in the business of loaning out several times the money it supposedly had in reserves, all at interest. In exchange, the new bank would loan British politicians as much of the new currency as they wanted, as long as they secured the debt by direct taxation of the British people. So, legalization of the Bank of England amounted to nothing less than legal counterfeiting of a national currency for private gain. Unfortunately, nearly every nation now has a privately controlled central bank using the Bank of England as the basic model. Such is the power of these central banks that they soon take total control over a nation's economy. It soon amounts to nothing but a plutocracy ruled by the rich. It would be like putting control of the army in the hands of the mafia. The danger of tyranny would be extreme. Yes, we need central banks. No, we do not need them in private hands. The central bank scam is really a hidden tax. The nation sells bonds to the central bank to pay for things it does not have the political will to raise taxes to pay for. But the bonds are purchased with money the central bank creates out of nothing. More money in circulation makes your money worth less. The government gets as much money as it needs, and the people pay for it in inflation. The beauty of the plan is that not one person in a thousand can figure it out because it's usually hidden behind complex-sounding economics gibberish. With the formation of the Bank of England, the nation was soon awash in money. Prices throughout the country doubled. Massive loans were granted for just about any wild scheme. One venture proposed to drain the Red Sea to recover gold supposedly lost when the Egyptian army drowned pursuing Moses and the Israelites. By 1698, government debt grew from the initial one and a quarter million pounds to 16 million pounds. Naturally, taxes were increased and then increased again to pay for all of this. With the British money supply firmly in their grip, the British economy began a wild roller coaster series of booms and depressions, exactly the sort of thing a central bank claims it is determined to prevent. There are two things which I think are intrinsic, not just to the Bank of England, but to central banking generally. The first is an involvement in the formulation of monetary policy with the specific objective of achieving monetary stability. However, since the Bank of England took control, the British pound has rarely been stable. Now let's take a look at the role of the Rothschild family, the family said to be the wealthiest in the world. This is Frankfurt, Germany. Fifty years after the Bank of England opened its doors, a goldsmith named Amschel Moses Bauer 
opened a coin shop, a counting house, in 1743. And over the door, he placed a sign depicting a Roman eagle on a red shield. The shop became known as the Red Shield Firm, or in German, Rothschild. When his son, Amschel Meyer Bauer, inherited the business, he decided to change his name to Rothschild. Amschel soon learned that loaning money to governments and kings was more profitable than loaning to private individuals. Not only were the loans bigger, but they were secured by the nation's taxes. Mayor Rothschild had five sons. He trained them all in the skills of money creation, then sent them out to the major capitals of Europe to open branch offices of the family banking business. His first son, Amschel Mayer, stayed in Frankfurt to mine the hometown bank. His second son, Solomon, was sent to Vienna. His third son, Nathan, was clearly the most clever. He was sent to London at age 21 in 1798, a hundred years after the founding of the Bank of England. His fourth son, Carl, went to Naples, and his fifth son, Jacob, went to Paris. In 1785, Mayor Amschel moved his entire family to this larger house, a five-story dwelling he shared with the Schiff family. This house was known as the Green Shield, the Rothschilds and the Schiffs would play a central role in the rest of European financial history and in that of the United States. The Rothschilds broke into dealings with European royalty here at Williamshall, the palace of the wealthiest man in Germany, in fact, the wealthiest monarch in all Europe, Prince William of Hesse-Kassel. At first, the Rothschilds were only helping William speculate in precious coins. But when Napoleon chased Prince William into exile, he sent 550,000 pounds, a gigantic sum at that time, to Nathan Rothschild in London with instructions for him to buy consoles, British government bonds, also called government stock. But Rothschild used the money for his own purposes. With Napoleon on the loose, the opportunities of wartime investments were nearly limitless. William returned here sometime prior to the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. He summoned Rothschild and demanded his money back. Charles returned William's money with the interest the British consuls would have paid him had the investment actually been made. But the Rothschilds kept all the past profits they had made using William's money. Nathan Rothschild later bragged that in the 17 years he'd been in England, he'd increased his original 20,000-pound stake given to him by his father by 2,500 times. By cooperating within the family, the Rothschilds soon grew unbelievably wealthy. By the mid-1800s, they dominated all European banking and were certainly the wealthiest family in the world. They financed Cecil Rhodes making it possible for him to establish a monopoly over the diamond and gold fields of South Africa. In America, they financed the Harrimans and Railroads, the Vanderbilts and Railroads and the Press, and Carnegie in the steel industry, among many others. In fact, during World War I, 
J.P. Morgan was thought to be the richest man in America. But after his death, it was discovered that he was actually only a lieutenant of the Rothschilds. Once Morgan's will was made public, it was discovered that he owned only 19% of J.P. Morgan companies. By 1850, James Rothschild, the heir of the French branch of the family, was said to be worth 600 million French francs, 150 million more than all the other bankers in France put together. He built this mansion called Ferrier, just east of Paris. Wilhelm I, on seeing it, exclaimed, Kings couldn't afford this. It could only belong to a Rothschild. Another 19th century French commentator put it this way, There is but one power in Europe, and that is Rothschild. There is no evidence that their predominant standing in European or world finance has changed. Now let's take a look at the results the Bank of England had produced on the British economy and how that later was the root cause of the American Revolution. By the mid-1700s, the British Empire was nearing its height of power around the world. But Britain had fought four costly wars in Europe since the creation of their privately owned central bank, the Bank of England. The cost had been high. To finance these wars, the British Parliament here had borrowed heavily from the bank. By the mid-1700s, the government's debt here in Britain was 140 million pounds, a staggering sum for those days. Consequently, the British government embarked on a program of trying to raise revenues from their American colonies in order to make their interest payments to the bank. But in America, it was a different story. The scourge of a privately owned central bank had not yet hit. This is Independence Hall in Philadelphia, where the Declaration of Independence and Constitution were signed. In the mid-1700s, pre-revolutionary America was still relatively poor. There was a severe shortage of precious metal coins to trade for goods, so the early colonists were forced to experiment with printing their own homegrown paper money. Some of these experiments were successful. Franklin was a big supporter of the colonies printing their own paper money. In 1757, Franklin was sent to London. He ended up staying for the next 18 years here, nearly until the start of the American Revolution. During this period, the American colonies began to issue their own money. Called Colonial Script, the endeavor was very successful. It provided a reliable medium of exchange and it also helped to provide a feeling of unity between the colonies. Remember, colonial script was just paper money, debt-free money printed in the public interest and not backed by gold or silver coin. In other words, it was a totally fiat currency. One day, officials of the Bank of England asked Franklin how he would account for the newfound prosperity of the colonies. Without hesitation, he replied, That is simple. In the colonies, we issue our own money. It is called colonial script. We issue it in proper proportion to the demands of trade and industry to make the products pass easily from the producers to the consumers. In this manner, creating for ourselves our own paper money, we control its purchasing power, and we have no interest to pay to no one. 
This was just common sense to Franklin, but you can imagine the impact it had on the Bank of England. America had learned the secret of money, and that genie had to be returned to its bottle as soon as possible.
financial superintendent to open a privately owned central bank. Incidentally, Morris was a wealthy man who had grown wealthier during the revolution by trading war materials. Called the Bank of North America, the new bank was closely modeled after the Bank of England. It was allowed to practice fractional reserve banking. That is, it could lend out money it didn't have, then charge interest on it. If you or I were to do that, we would be charged with fraud, a felony. The bank's charter called for private investors to put up $400,000 worth of initial capital. But when Morris was unable to raise the money, he brazenly used his political influence to have gold deposited in the bank, which had been loaned to America by France. He then loaned this money to himself and his friends to reinvest in shares of the bank. And, like the Bank of England, the bank was given a monopoly over the national currency. Soon the dangers became clear. The value of American currency continued to plummet. So, four years later, in 1785, the bank's charter was not renewed. The leader of the effort to kill the bank, William Findlay of Pennsylvania, explained the problem this way, quote, this institution, having no principle but that of avarice, will never be varied in its object to engross all the wealth, power, and influence of the state. The men behind the Bank of North America, Alexander Hamilton, Robert Morris, and the bank's president, Thomas Wiling, did not give up. Only six years later, Hamilton, then Secretary of the Treasury, and his mentor, Morris, rammed a new privately owned central bank through the new Congress. Called the first bank of the United States, Thomas Wiling again served as the bank's president. The players were the same. Only the name of the bank was changed. In 1787, colonial leaders assembled in Philadelphia to replace the ailing Articles of Confederation. As we saw earlier, both Thomas Jefferson and James Madison were unalterably opposed to a privately owned central bank. They had seen the problems caused by the Bank of England. They wanted nothing of it. As Jefferson later put it, if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and the corporations which go up around them will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent, their fathers. During the debate over the future monetary system, another one of the founding fathers, Governor Morris, castigated the motivations of the owners of the Bank of North America. Governor Morris headed the committee that wrote the final draft of the Constitution. Morris knew the motivations of the bank well. Along with his old boss, Robert Morris, Governor Morris and Alexander Hamilton were the ones who had presented the original plan for the Bank of North America to the Continental Congress in the last year of the Revolution. In a letter he wrote to James Madison on July 2, 1787, Governor Morris revealed what was really going on. The rich will strive to establish their dominion and enslave the rest. They always did. They always will. They will have the same effect here as elsewhere if we do 
by the power of government, keep them in their proper spheres. Despite the defection of Governor Morris from the ranks of the bank, Hamilton, Robert Morris, Thomas Wiling, and their European backers were not about to give up. They convinced the bulk of the delegates to the Constitutional Convention to not give Congress the power to issue paper money. Most of the delegates were still reeling from the wild inflation of the paper currency during the Revolution. They had forgotten how well colonial script had worked before the war. But the Bank of England had not. The money changers could not stand to have America printing her own money again. So the Constitution is silent on the matter. This grievous defect left the door wide open for the money changers, just as they had planned. In 1790, less than three years after the Constitution had been signed, the money changers struck again. The newly appointed first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, proposed a bill to the Congress calling for a new privately owned central bank. Coincidentally, that was the very year that Amschel Rothschild made his pronouncement from his flagship bank in Frankfurt. Let me issue and control a nation's money, and I care not who writes the laws. Alexander Hamilton was a tool of the international bankers, and he wanted to create the U.S. Bank, the BUS, or the Bank of the United States, and did so. Interestingly, one of Hamilton's first jobs after graduating from law school in 1782 was as an aide to Robert Morris, the head of the Bank of North America. In fact, the year before, Hamilton had written Morris a letter saying, a national debt, if it is not excessive, will be to us a national blessing. A blessing to whom? After a year of intense debate, in 1791, Congress passed the bill and gave it a 20-year charter. The new bank was to be called the First Bank of the United States, or BUS. Here we are in front of the First Bank of the United States in Philadelphia. The bank was given a monopoly on printing U.S. currency, even though 80% of its stock would be held by private investors. The other 20% would be purchased by the U.S. government, but the reason was not to give the government a piece of the action. It was to provide the capital to the other 80% owners. As with the old Bank of North America and the Bank of England before that, the stockholders never paid the full amount for their shares. The U.S. government put up their initial $2 million in cash. Then the bank, through the old magic of fractional reserve lending, made loans to its charter investors so they could come up with the remaining $8 million of capital needed for this risk-free investment. Like the Bank of England, the name of the Bank of the United States was deliberately chosen to hide the fact that it was privately controlled. And like the Bank of England, the names of the investors in the bank were never revealed. Many years later, it was a common saying that the Rothschilds were the power behind the old Bank of the United States. The bank was sold to Congress as a way to bring stability to the banking system and eliminate inflation. So what happened? 
Over the first five years, the U.S. government borrowed $8.2 million from the Bank of the United States. In the same five-year period, prices rose by 72%. Jefferson, as the new Secretary of State, watched the borrowing with sadness and frustration, unable to stop it. I wish it were possible to obtain a single amendment to our Constitution, taking from the federal government the power of borrowing. Millions of Americans feel the same way today. They watch in helpless frustration as the federal government borrows the American economy into oblivion. So, although it was called the First Bank of the United States, it was not the first attempt at a privately owned central bank in this country. As with the Bank of North America, the government put up most of the cash to get this private bank going, then the bankers loaned the money to each other to buy the remaining stock in the bank. It was a scam, plain and simple, and they wouldn't be able to get away with it for long. But first, we have to travel back to Europe to see how a single man was able to manipulate the entire British economy by obtaining the first news of Napoleon's final defeat. Here in Paris, the Bank of France was organized in 1800, just like the Bank of England. But Napoleon decided France had to break free of debt, and he never trusted the Bank of France. He declared that when a government is dependent upon bankers for money, the bankers, not the leaders of the government, are in control. The hand that gives is above the hand that takes. Money has no motherland. Financiers are without patriotism and without decency. Their sole object is gain. Back in America, unexpected help was about to arrive. In 1800, Thomas Jefferson narrowly defeated John Adams to become the third president of the United States. By 1803, Jefferson and Napoleon had struck a deal. The U.S. would give Napoleon $3 million in gold in exchange for a huge chunk of territory west of the Mississippi River, the Louisiana Purchase. With that $3 million, Napoleon quickly forged an army and set off across Europe, conquering everything in his path. But the Bank of England quickly rose to oppose him. They financed every nation in his path, reaping the enormous profits of war. Prussia, Austria, and finally Russia all went heavily into debt in a futile attempt to stop Napoleon. Four years later, with the main French army in Russia, 30-year-old Nathan Rothschild, the head of the London office of the Rothschild family, personally took charge of a bold plan to smuggle a much-needed shipment of gold right through France to finance an attack by the Duke of Wellington from Spain. Nathan later bragged at a dinner party in London that it was the best business he'd ever done. Little did he know that he would do much better business in the near future. Wellington's attacks from the South and other defeats eventually forced Napoleon to abdicate and Louis XVIII was crowned king. Napoleon was exiled to Alba, a tiny island off the coast of Italy, supposedly exiled from France forever. While Napoleon was in exile on Elba, temporarily defeated by England with the financial help of the Rothschilds, America was trying to break free 
of its central bank as well. In 1811, a bill was put before Congress to renew the charter of the Bank of the United States. The debate grew very heated, and the legislatures of both Pennsylvania and Virginia passed resolutions asking Congress to kill the bank. The press corps of the day attacked the bank openly, calling it a great swindle, a vulture, a viper, and a cobra. Oh, to have an independent press once again in America. A congressman named P.B. Porter attacked the bank from the floor of Congress, saying if the bank's charter was renewed, Congress, quote, will have planted in the bosom of this Constitution a viper, which one day or another will sting the liberties of this country to the heart, close quote. Prospects didn't look that good for the bank. Some writers have even claimed that Nathan Rothschild warned that the United States would find itself involved in a most disastrous war if the bank's charter were not renewed. But it wasn't enough. When the smoke had cleared, the renewal bill was defeated by a single vote in the House and was deadlocked in the Senate. By now, America's fourth president, James Madison, was in the White House. Remember, Madison was a staunch opponent of the bank. His vice president, George Clinton, broke a tie in the Senate and sent the bank into oblivion. Within five months, England attacked the U.S. and the War of 1812 was on. But the British were still busy fighting Napoleon, and so the War of 1812 ended in a draw in 1814. Though the money changes were temporarily down, they were far from out. It would take them only another two years to bring back their bank bigger and stronger than ever. But now let's return to Napoleon, because nothing else in history more aptly demonstrates the ingenuity of the Rothschild family than their control of the British stock market after Waterloo. In 1815, a year after the end of the War of 1812 in America, Napoleon escaped his exile and returned to Paris. French troops were sent out to capture him, but such was his charisma that the soldiers rallied around their old leader and hailed him as their emperor once again. In March of 1815, Napoleon equipped an army which Britain's Duke of Wellington defeated less than 90 days later at Waterloo. Some writers claim Napoleon borrowed five million pounds from the Bank of England to rearm, but it appears these funds actually came from the Ouvard Banking House in Paris. Nevertheless, from about this point on, it was not unusual for privately controlled central banks to finance both sides in a war. Why would a central bank finance opposing sides in a war? because war is the biggest debt generator of them all. A nation will borrow any amount for victory. The ultimate loser is loaned just enough to hold out the vain hope of victory, and the ultimate winner is given enough to win. Besides, such loans are usually conditioned upon the guarantee that the victor will honor the debt of the vanquished. This is the Waterloo battlefield, about 200 miles northeast of Paris, 
in what today is Belgium. Here, Napoleon suffered his final defeat, but not before thousands of French and Englishmen gave their lives on a steamy summer day in July of 1815. Right over there, on June 18, 1815, 74,000 French troops met 67,000 troops from Britain and other European nations. The outcome was certainly in doubt. In fact, had Napoleon attacked a few hours earlier, he would probably have won the battle. But no matter who won or lost back in London, Nathan Rothschild planned to use the opportunity to try to seize control over the British stock and bond market and possibly even the Bank of England. Rothschild stationed a trusted agent, a man named Rothworth, on the north side of the battlefield, closer to the English Channel. Once the battle had been decided, Rothworth took off for the Channel. He delivered the news to Nathan Rothschild a full 24 hours before Wellington's own courier. Rothschild hurried to the stock market and took up his usual position in front of an ancient pillar. All eyes were on him. The Rothschilds had a legendary communications network. If Wellington had been defeated and Napoleon was loose on the continent again, Britain's financial situation would become grave indeed. Rothschild looked saddened. He stood there motionless, eyes downcast. Then suddenly he began selling. Other nervous investors saw that Rothschild was selling. It could only mean one thing. Napoleon must have won. Wellington must have lost. The market plummeted. Soon everyone was selling their consoles, their British government bonds, and prices dropped sharply. But then Rothschild started secretly buying up the consoles to his agents for only a fraction of their worth hours before. Myth, legends, you say? 100 years later, the New York Times ran a story which said that Nathan's grandson had attempted to secure a court order to suppress a book with the stock market story in it. The Rothschild family claimed the story was untrue and libelous, but the court denied the Rothschild's request and ordered the family to pay all court costs. What's even more interesting about this story is that some authors claim that the day after the Battle of Waterloo, in a matter of hours, Nathan Rothschild came to dominate not only the bond market, but the Bank of England as well. Whether or not the Rothschild family seized control of the Bank of England, the first privately owned central bank in a major European nation and the wealthiest, one thing is certain. By the mid-1800s, the Rothschilds were the richest family in the world bar none. They dominated the new government bond markets and branched into other banks and industrial concerns. In fact, the rest of the 19th century was known as the Age of the Rothschilds. Despite this overwhelming wealth, the family has generally cultivated an aura of invisibility. Although the family controls scores of industrial, commercial, mining, and tourist corporations, only a handful bear the Rothschild name. By the end of the 19th century, one expert estimated that the Rothschild family controlled half the wealth of the world. Whatever the extent of their vast wealth, it is reasonable to assume that their percentage of the world's wealth has increased since then. But since the turn of the century, 
The Rothschilds have cultivated the notion that their power has somehow waned even as their wealth increases. Meanwhile, back in Washington in 1816, just one year after Waterloo and Rothschild's alleged takeover of the Bank of England, the American Congress passed a bill permitting yet another privately owned central bank. This bank was called the Second Bank of the United States. The new bank's charter was a copy of the previous bank. The U.S. government would own 20% of the shares of the bank. Of course, the federal share was paid by the Treasury up front into the bank's coffers. All right, here we go. Let's see. We'll stop it right there. Um, what happens next in history, I'll just sum it up real quick. Uh, Andrew Jackson becomes president, and he shot me. He gives away with the bank. <clears throat> he was next in line. And then the Rothschilds try to hire the, <clears throat> somebody to try to kill him, and his, uh, the pistols jammed, the revolvers jammed, and uh, and the, this guy who was hired to kill him actually bragged about it, saying that important people from England uh, hired me to kill Andrew Jackson. Of course, he was discredited. He was thrown in a Looney Tune bin, but yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was true. And uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, of course, we know, retired and uh, you know singing, I beat the bank. So, because his campaign slogan was no bank. But then we couldn't know what happened soon after that. We had the Civil War, and then we get back into it again. So the Rothschilds and the bankers are back into it, and Woodrow Wilson even admits it. So he destroys us by creating the Federal Reserve Act, where they tried to pass the bill on uh, Christmas Eve when nobody's there. And uh, we've had the Federal Reserve ever since. And the um, Federal Reserve bankrupted uh, this country, took over the money, the money supply basically within, what was it, 20 years? Uh, it was less, less than 20 years. 1929, <clears throat> they pulled the same crap actually. J.P. Morgan and they called the uh, called a margin call on the stock market and uh, the, the stock market. That was another scam right there. So, and then that moved in uh, Roosevelt there to put his Emergency Powers Act in 1933, and they confiscated all the gold. Blah blah blah. And then we get you know they addressed it again in the 70s. And <clears throat> um, anyway, we get back and then the World Trade Centers are blown up in 2001. Uh, there's that's a whole other story that has something to do with business and banking also. Um, but right now we're here in 2024, and people don't know history, and people don't understand the monetary system, and they don't understand taxes, and they don't understand where your money goes or what money what, what money is really is or what it's created out of. And what did he say that was very interesting in the beginning? We could trade with anything we want. I mean, my next door neighbor, we could trade. I could trade with. Look, I got a. Uh, Oh, uh, let's see, a, 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 a can of soda right here. I can trade with him. I can do whatever. We can trade whatever we want. But we can't pay our taxes with it, can we? Because that's against the law. You're right? We can only use one type, and we can't go to the store and buy anything with it, right? Anything that has a contract with the government or the state or that is entangled in the web of Social Security numbers and income tax and everything, they have to use Federal Reserve notes, right? Because it does say on your dollar bills, uh, all for all debt, public and private, right? It says it for all debt, public and private. And then, and also, I want you to understand something. You will not find a, any type of dollar bill, twenty dollar bill, before the I mean, after the year twenty seventeen printed. You will not find no twenty dollar bills in circulation after the year twenty seventeen. Why? That's very interesting. I've been looking into that. I wonder why. Because cause, you know, if there's not, because you don't have no 2019s, 2020s, no 2022s out there. 
Why is that? Only two days. They stopped at 2017 because they're up to their reset. They got to be. It has to do something with the digital currency. It has to. And, and let's see. Let's see. It's 2017. So 2024, that's seven years. Bankruptcy, seven years. So maybe <clears throat> this is when they're going to pull it. You know, because, you know, they only got a seven-year, <coughs> excuse me, money supply system. So I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting, you know. I mean, I look at, I've got money, I'm looking at money right now. You know, there's nothing above 2017. Now you got $1 bills, I think, or or, or is even that goes for the smaller curve. I know 20s, you can't find anything for 20s. You see, we look at these ones right here. That's some ones and tens here. Nothing, just not. I mean, I just, you can't, you can't find nothing that past 2017. I mean, anything, you can find 216. Uh, 2014. You can't find no 2019s or 2021s or anything like that. I wonder why. Right? I mean, I wonder why that is. I'm going to ask somebody that. You know, I think I'm going to do when I try to do a show earlier, one of these days, and uh, call the uh, board of Federal Reserve Board of Governors and uh, ask them how come there's no dollar bills? Well, I'll call a bank. If I call the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, they're going to you know, that's they already told me once, don't ever call them. So I was you <laughs> Yeah. Go back and listen to that show. The, the woman threatened me too. She said, You'll be dealt with <laughs> what she told me. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll be dealt with. Yeah, all right, whatever. But anyway, but yeah, they got the power though. They got the power. Remember, they own your courthouses, they own your police. Remember, your police, they get a paycheck from the Federal Reserve. They will do what they are told. Because that paycheck is more important than freedom, liberty, honor, and sacrifice. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, let's see here. Well, I don't know if I got any callers. I wouldn't even look at the studio board. I don't know if you guys are on here or not, if there's anybody on here who wants to talk. So let's see here. Oh, we got a caller here. Here we go. Let's see here. 214, go ahead. Hey, it's good, Slam. What's going on? Hey, how are you? How's it going? Uh, finally drying up a little bit here. Having spring-like days, <laughs> it was 74 degrees today. Wow, I love oh, it. That's spring nice. is here. That's nice. Forget February. That's nice. <laughs> nice, it is. It is. Well, you see, I you see, know, yeah, you, 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 you struck a nerve. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh, yeah. Federal Reserve. I struck a nerve. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah you struck a big nerve there because, you know, the, the Rothschilds are, you know, Jewish bankers, okay? They go back to the uh-huh. 15th century. Go look it up. You don't believe me. 15th century. Oh, yeah. And these people are some of the most ruthless, scumbags, evil people. If you call them people, I'll call them scumbags, um, that the world has ever known. This is why yep. this country and this world is such in an economic turmoil. It's because of these bastards. Okay. Yeah, Bilderbergers, yeah. the Rothschilds, you know, all these ruling rich elite bankers. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, they they started all this. They it wasn't the people that started this. It was them bastards. Greed yeah. is one of the reasons, probably the main reason. Okay. And look at what happened to JFK up here in downtown Dallas. He went he yeah. went against these bastards. And what happened to him? They blew his fucking head off right in right in the middle oh, yeah. of the street. I've been I've been to that place zillions of times. Okay, he went against the Federal Reserve. Yep, he went against the Federal Reserve. Yep, there's a big old X out there in the middle of the street at the Dealey Plaza right there. Okay, and that's where his brains were blown out. 
okay, because he went against the Federal Reserve, number one, you know, the banking cartel, and they're just like the mafia. Mm -hmm. They didn't like it. And he was trying to get us out of Vietnam at the time. They didn't like that either because the bankers had a big, huge fingers in Vietnam because of the drug trade that they were involved in, okay? So... (laughs) And I'm sure JFK was warned, okay? I'm sure somewhere down the line, somebody came to him and said, Mr. President, I don't, I would highly advise, advise you not to do what you're fixing to do. Well, yeah, he said, yeah. probably, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and you see what happened. You see what happened, okay? It's history, okay? Yeah. So these people are the most evil, they're the most vile scumbags that you can possibly think of okay they profit on enslaving you they actually enslave you you want to get a loan today it's like the world is enslaved by these banks today people just don't understand it they don't get it you know that's right you you want to try to start a business well you don't have any money so who's the first one that you want to have to go to a banker the bankers okay the bank. We got a private and caller then, here also wants to jump in here too. I see a private caller. Give me a minute. Well, they then they then they just they just make the money out of thin air. When you go and make make a get a loan for a bank or for a, for say a business or whatever. It's a car, it's I don't know what it's it. a felony. Yeah, yeah. they commit yeah. a felony. You know, it's it's just it's just it's just a electronic entry. They just punch a button and ten thousand dollar mysteriously appears in your account. There's your money. Have fun, yeah. but we'll yeah. own you for the next yeah. goddamn. Your signature, we'll your signature creates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it will own you for the next thirty freaking years. Well, I want to ask you two. I want to ask you two. I want no. Hang on, Gus. I want to ask you two uh, real quick. Uh, uh, what the, what's going on with the convoy since you're down there in that area? Is that near? Is that near your backyard there? The convoy. It's not near my backyard. I'm in north central t- uh, Texas, the border course of oh, okay. west, way west side. And, but they're supposed to be heading this way. From what I've heard what today and what I've heard yesterday, I've had a power failure today, most of the day. But uh, from what I've heard, uh, the latest news is they're they're gaining strength. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more power to well, them. That's good. More power to them. I got a private that caller here. Let me bring on this private caller who's got his hand up too, waiting patiently here for a while. So, uh, yes, private caller. Who's, that? who's this, Sarge? Who is this? Uh, no, Joe, this is your nemesis, Shabaka oh. Sankori. Oh, and the we guy really talking did, junk Joe. in the chat room. Yeah, 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 man. No, stating facts, man. The deal that you guys wanted to make, man, for me and Sarge to debate is not going to happen. Our staff voted it down. You would have to pay us. Have a nice night. Okay, Chewbacca. All right. Well, all right. I guess that's. <laughs> Woo! I guess he's not having his debate with Chew- uh, Sarge. <laughs> Chewbacca from the oh, Black Experience there. He wants reparations. He thinks that we're going to pay him reparations. Him and his Black Panthers there. He had a Black Panther on his show that said he was going to step on my throat last night. I, said, <laughs> I started laughing. Yeah, okay, pal. He goes, I'm in Mississippi. I can make way to North Carolina. Hey, pal, porch lights on anytime you want. Come on by. Black kitty cat. Are you? <laughs> you don't are know you, who you're messing with. Are you serious? Are you oh, yeah, serious? Yeah. Oh yeah. I must have missed. Yeah. It. You know, bunch of black tell kitty cats. Tell, you know. Meow. <laughs> tell, 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 uh, tell the little bastard to come over here and visit me too. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Context. 
Gunsling. You won't be marching. You won't be marching down 158 down here in my area. I trust you that. Trust me. We're well embedded down. Yeah. Good country folk in my area. <laughs> with, yeah, with, yeah. with a lot of good old flags flying high. So you can just try it. But uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's, he threatens. He threatens you and runs away. And that's what he did, they did last night. They threatened and threatened and run away. You know, ooh, you got me. Ooh, ooh. Because they can't have a conversation. Uh, they can't have any type of uh, conversation back and forth with each other. Even no. Sarge smacks them down every time, you know? Yeah. Well, look, you got to look at it like this way, too, in reparation, okay? They have already been paid in full. You know why? Yes. Because when, when did welfare start? What was it, back in the 50s, somewhere in there? They okay. owe us. They and, owe us. How about that? They owe us. You did it right. They owe us because look at the look at the hundreds of trillions of dollars that they have been that they have been granted by the government for uh like I said, welfare. Okay. Housing, yeah. free housing, yeah. free medical, free free this, free that, you know, the whole nine yards, free education, you know, college grants and all this shit. You know what I say to them? Fuck you. Go back yeah, to Africa yeah. where you belong. Yeah, okay. yeah that's yourself. why you want to play it. Yeah, play yeah, you want to play that nonsense, yeah. that crap, you know? You, play you know, I mean, you I can't play. have a conversation. Yeah, it's okay for no. them to talk crap and say they're going to call me a cracker. How stupid calling me a cracker. Do you know what cracker means? Do you know what it means, you dumbass? Yeah. I'm not one of these stupid little white woke kids that you're going to jump and beat up. Let me tell you something. You don't know. <laughs> don't even try it. You know, I mean, I've had these debates with them before anyway, and many others on my show. And look, I go to Gold's Gym between 7 and 8 every single morning, usually, well, five days a week, on Battleground Avenue. Anytime I'm there, you know, I'm usually there with a few people, but I can come up and go by myself. You know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, (laughs) you know, it's just nobody ever shows up. You know, they called there. A couple of people called there, and, uh, and the manager said, who are people calling here? I said, ah, that's from my podcast show. So he just laughs it off. He goes, well, let me know if you have any problems. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> but that's the problem well, we have is, is that we have this problem in America, too, is we have this problem where where they, if they can't stand America so much, well, you know, look, I don't have a problem with people wanting to be in America. Like Sarge, he's a, uh, an American. He believes in this republic. He believes in freedom. And, and he'll point it out when you're wrong. I don't have a problem with men like that, you know. But nope. assholes like, you know, these other these, – these panthers, these kitty cats, they, they you know, they, they're going to re- have a revolution. Well, when are you going to have it already? Because we've been waiting for a long time now, you know. And, and <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know. I don't know. Oh boy, uh, you see, he ran away. He's not even in the well, chat room no more. I, I, he might be listening though. I hope he is. But anyway, well, <laughs> like I said again, these people that that just that just made that statement there, that only shows that they are extremely low intelligence. Now yeah, compared yeah. to people like Sarge, okay, he's a very yeah. well educated black person. Man, I respect him. Yeah. And I respect that he yeah. is for his service. He's smarter Thank than you me. for, him, for yeah. his service. Man, he's smarter than me. Yeah. I, 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 wow. When I started listening to Sarge, I thought, man, this dude has got When it comes to history, on. yeah, he history. Was, he's an expert. I always refer back yeah. to him for history. I go argue with him sometimes, yeah. but he usually wins. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But he but, has uh, he know, has but, money. Yeah. He has the, he has the, the thing right here on the on the nail head. I mean, absolutely. But people like this dumb fuck, okay, is what yeah. exactly what they are, right? That's all they yeah, are. He calls into the They're show. Mama's yeah, stuff. he calls into all these shows. He called the Donnie C show one time, I think, and started his crap. Or, or Conservative Nation, I forgot which one. They, he calls into these shows and he starts his crap. And he talks over everybody, you know. And then yeah. I won the debate. Yeah. I won all, you know. Real. It pisses me off though. Right? Idiot. You know, I just I can't stand people who punch and run away. I just can't stand that. I can't stand when people hang up. They hang up on you, you know, or they or they or they or they block. I'm gonna block you. I'm gonna block you. You know, I just oh, I can't stand that. I can't stand punch and run. Well, <laughs> Bullies. It only you know? it only it only it only shows their intel their intelligence. Okay, because yeah. they're too well, much of a push. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they plus they got attack and pack. Okay. You know, they got attack and crowd. Yeah, they can't yeah. get you one on one. You know. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's boy. just like anyway. criminals. Okay. It's just like criminals. They they now today in today's criminal society they attack in packs. It's not one on one anymore. Okay. Like it used to be yeah. years. You know, years, years no ago one. in the criminal. Today they they attack in packs like animals. Well, then yeah. they need to be gunned down like animals. Okay? Yeah. Quite and simple. You well, Tim well, was on there once, too, arguing with him. They threatened him. They said, we'll come up to Ohio and get you or whatever I think the, uh, one of them said. And Tate was like, come on, bring it. You know, you, you know I mean, it, 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 all that threatening is just stupid. Why do you want to threaten? I mean, why are you going to call? You know, it's just stupid. Don't threaten nobody. That's, that's so I guess they hear the moment if you're arguing, but, but but it's like a practice for these cowards, you know. And they don't back up nothing. All they do is threat, 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 threat. Like that's gonna scare somebody. You're not gonna scare us. Wait, yeah. you're stupid. I mean, all eighty of your members. You really think you're gonna start a war and a revolution in this country? Knock it off. You know, if you got uh-huh. eighty members, maybe eight members. <laughs> oh man, unreal. Unreal. But anyway, yeah, back to the Federal Reserve real quick. Uh, Federal Reserve. Yeah, um, um, yeah I want to play the – it's about three minutes long. I want to play the solution to this, and then I want to talk about the that trucker convoy thing. I, guess, I think I got something here a good that will add to that story. But the solution here, it's about three to, – to, to fix the economy. This is, a, this, this is all we have to have done to fix this economy. It's, it's, it, it's so simple, the, the solution. And, and let me see if I can get it right here. It's right here at the end here. And uh, it tells us how we can do it, how we can get out of debt, and how we can fix the system. So let me play that. It's about three, three four minutes long. Let me play that real quick. And the Bank of France were nationalized after World War II, and nothing changed, nothing at all. They endure and continue to grow, now protected by numerous laws, paid politicians, and mortgage media untouched by the changing of generations. Three centuries have given them an aura of respectability. The old school tie is now worn by the sixth generation son who's been raised in a system that he may never question as he is named to serve on the governing boards of countless philanthropic organizations. To focus attention today, on individuals or families, or to attempt to sort out the current holders of power serves little useful purpose and would be a distraction from the cure. The problem is far bigger than that. 
It is the corrupt banking system that was and is being used to consolidate vast wealth into fewer and fewer hands that is our current economic problem. Change the names of the main players now, and the problem will neither go away nor even miss a beat. Likewise, among the hordes of bureaucrats working in the World Bank, central banks, and international banks, only a tiny fraction have any idea of what's really going on. No doubt they'd be horrified to learn that their work is contributing to the terrible impoverishment and gradual enslavement of mankind to a few incredibly rich plutocrats. So really, there's no use in emphasizing the role of individuals anymore. And the problem even transcends the normal spectrum of political right and left. Both communism and socialism, as well as monopoly capitalism, have been used by the money changers. Today, they profit from either side of the new political spectrum. The big government welfare state on the so-called left wing versus the neoconservative laissez-faire capitalists who want big government totally out of their lives on the right wing. Either way, the bankers win. Monetary reform is the most important political issue facing this nation. That clarified, let's proceed to the conclusions in the spirit Lincoln declared, with malice towards none, with charity towards all. At the start of this video, we ask a number of troubling questions. Let's be sure we've answered them. What's going on in America today? Why are we over our heads in debt? Why can't the politicians bring debt under control? Why are we over our heads in debt? Because we're laboring under a debt money system that is designed and controlled by private bankers. Now, some will argue that the Federal Reserve System is a quasi-governmental agency. But the president appoints only two of the seven members of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors every four years. And he appoints them to 14-year terms, far longer than his own. The Senate does confirm those appointments, but the whole truth is that the president wouldn't dare appoint anyone to that board of whom Wall Street does not approve. Of course, this does not preclude the possibility that some honorable men may be appointed to the Board of Governors. But the fact is that the Fed is specifically designed to operate independently of our government, as are nearly all other central banks. Some argue that the Fed promotes monetary stability. We saw the current head of the Bank of England, Eddie George, claim that this was the most important role of a central bank. In fact, the Fed's record of stabilizing the economy shows it to be a miserable failure in this regard. Within the first 25 years of its existence, the Fed caused three major economic downturns, including the Great Depression, and for the last 30 years has shepherded the American economy into a period of unprecedented inflation. Again, this is not some wild conspiracy theory. It's a well-known fact among top economists. As Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman put it, the stock of money, prices, and output was decidedly more unstable after the establishment of the Federal Reserve System than before. 
The most dramatic period of instability in output was, of course, the period between the two wars, which includes the severe monetary contractions of 1920-21, 1929-33, and 1937-38. No other 20-year period in American history contains as many as three such severe contractions. This evidence persuades me that at least a third of the price rise during and just after World War I is attributable to the establishment of the Federal Reserve System, and that the severity of each of the major contractions, 1920-21, 1929-33, and 1937-38, is directly attributable to acts of commission and omission by the reserve authorities. Any system which gives so much power and so much discretion to a few men so that mistakes, excusable or not, can have such far-reaching effects is a bad system. It is a bad system to believers in freedom just because it gives a few men such power without any effective check by the body politic. This is the key political argument against an independent central bank. To paraphrase Clemenceau, money is much too serious a matter to be left to the central bankers. We must learn from our history before it is too late. Why can't politicians control the federal debt? Because all our money is created out of debt. Again, it's a debt money system. Our money is created initially by the purchase of U.S. bonds. The public buys bonds like savings bonds. The banks buy bonds. Foreigners buy bonds. And when the Fed wants to create more money in the system, it buys bonds but pays for them with a simple bookkeeping entry which it creates out of nothing. Then this new money created by the Fed is multiplied by a factor of 10 by the banks thanks to the fractional reserve principle. So although the banks don't create currency, they do create checkbook money or deposits by making new loans. They even invest some of this created money. In fact, over $1 trillion of this privately created money has been used to purchase U.S. bonds on the open market, which provides the banks with roughly $50 billion in interest, risk-free, each year, less the interest they pay to some depositors. In this way, through fractional reserve lending, banks create over 90% of the money and therefore cause over 90% of our inflation. What can we do about all this? Fortunately, there's a way to fix the problem fairly easily, speedily, and without any serious financial problems. We can get our country totally out of debt in one to two years by simply paying off these U.S. bonds with debt-free U.S. notes, just like Lincoln issued. Of course, that by itself would create tremendous inflation since our currency is presently multiplied by the fractional reserve banking system. But here's the ingenious solution advanced in part by Milton Friedman to keep the money supply stable and avoid inflation and deflation while the debt is retired. As the Treasury buys up its bonds on the open market with U.S. notes, the reserve requirements of your hometown local bank will be proportionally raised so the amount of money in circulation remains constant. As those holding bonds are paid off in U.S. notes, they will deposit this money, thus making available the currency then needed by the banks to increase their reserves. 
Once all the U.S. bonds are replaced with U.S. notes, banks will be at 100% reserve banking instead of the fractional reserve system currently in use. From this point on, the former Fed buildings will only be needed as a central clearinghouse for checks and as vaults for U.S. notes. The Federal Reserve Act will no longer be necessary and could be repealed. Monetary power can be transferred back to the Treasury Department. There would be no further creation or contraction of money by banks. By doing it this way, our national debt can be paid off in a single year or so, and the Fed and fractional reserve banking abolished without national bankruptcy, financial collapse, inflation or deflation, or any significant change in the way the average American goes about his business. For the average person, the primary difference would be that for the first time since the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913, taxes would begin to go down. Now there's a real national blessing for you, rather than for Hamilton's banker's friends. Now let's take a look at these proposals in more detail. Here are the main provisions of a Monetary Reform Act which needs to be passed by Congress. We drafted a proposed Monetary Reform Act which follows at the end of this tape. Of course, variations with the same results would be equally welcome. One, pay off the debt with debt-free U.S. notes. As Thomas Edison put it, if the U.S. can issue a dollar bond, it can issue a dollar bill. They both rest purely on the faith and credit of the United States government. This amounts to a simple substitution of one type of government obligation for another. One bears interest, the other doesn't. Federal Reserve notes could be used for this as well, but could not be printed after the Fed's abolished as we propose, so we suggest using U.S. notes instead. Two, abolish fractional reserve banking. As the debt is paid off, the reserve requirements of all banks and financial institutions would be raised proportionally at the same time to absorb the new U.S. notes, which would be deposited and become the bank's increased reserves. Towards the end of the first year of the transition period, the remaining liabilities of financial institutions would be assumed or acquired by the U.S. government in a one-time operation. In other words, they too would eventually be paid off with debt-free U.S. notes in order to keep the total money supply stable. At the end of the first year or so, all of the national debt would be paid, and we could start enjoying the benefits of full reserve banking. The Fed would be obsolete and anachronism. Three, repeal the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and the National Banking Act of 1864. These acts delegate the money power to a private banking monopoly. They must be repealed, and the money power handed back to the Department of Treasury, where they were initially under President Abraham Lincoln. No banker or person in any way affiliated with financial institutions should be allowed to regulate banking. After the first two reforms, these acts would serve no useful purpose anyway, since they relate to a fractional reserve banking system. Four, withdraw the U.S. from the IMF, the BIS, and the World Bank. These institutions, like the Federal Reserve, 
are designed to further centralize the power of the international bankers over the world's economy, and the U.S. must withdraw from them. Their harmless functions, such as currency exchange, can be accomplished either nationally or in new organizations limited to those functions. Such a monetary reform act would guarantee that the amount of money in circulation would stay very stable, causing neither inflation nor deflation. Remember, for the last three decades, the Fed has doubled the American money supply every 10 years. That fact and fractional reserve banking are the real causes of inflation and the reduction in our buying power, a hidden tax. These and other taxes are the real reasons both parents now have to work just to get by. The money supply should increase slowly to keep prices stable, roughly in proportion to population growth, about 3% per year, not at the whim of a group of bankers meeting in secret. In fact, all future decisions on how much money will be in the American economy must be made based on statistics of population growth and the price level index. The new monetary regulators and the Treasury Department, perhaps called the Monetary Committee, would have absolutely no discretion in this matter except in time of declared war. This would ensure a steady, stable money growth of roughly 3% per year, resulting in stable prices and no sharp changes in the money supply. To make certain the process is completely open and honest, all deliberations would be public, not secret as meetings of the Fed's Board of Governors are today. How do we know this will work? Because these steps remove the two major causes of economic instability, the Fed and fractional reserve banking, and the newest one as well, the BIS, Bank of International Settlements. But most importantly, the danger of a severe depression would be eliminated. Let's listen to Milton Friedman on the single cause of severe economic depression. I know of no severe depression in any country or any time that was not accompanied by a sharp decline in the stock of money, and equally of no sharp decline in the stock of money that was not accompanied by a severe depression. Issuing our own currency is not a radical solution. It's been advocated by President Jefferson, Madison, Jackson, Van Buren, and Lincoln. But it's been used at different times throughout Europe as well. Perhaps the best example is one of the small islands off the coast of France in the English Channel. Called Guernsey, it's been using debt-free money issues to pay for large building projects for nearly 200 years. Here we are in Guernsey, and this is the Guernsey flower and vegetable market. Guernsey is one of the most successful examples of just how well a debt-free money system can work. In 1815, a committee was appointed to investigate how best to finance this new market. The impoverished island could not afford more new taxes, so the state's fathers decided to try a revolutionary idea, issue their own paper money. They were just colorful paper notes backed by nothing, but the people of this tiny island agreed to accept them and trade with them. To be sure they circulated widely, they were declared to be good for the payment of taxes. All right, all right, okay. All right. Well, he gave you the thing when I was going through that, but that's, that's how you solve the, the monetary problem. 
in this country. That's how you solve it. The entire uh, system right there, uh, how you fix it. Very simple, and it could work. If they can issue a dollar bill, a dollar bond, they can issue a dollar bill. I mean, it's just not that hard. It can be done. It can be fixed, guys. And that's all it takes is just some brave people in Congress to stand up to the plate and do the right thing. Okay. Anybody else want to take I'm sorry. Yeah, there, there's a there again lies your problem. They don't want it fixed. That's yeah. the problem. They yeah. do not want it fixed because they want to keep you enslaved in their system. So why they fix the control. system when you want to? Yeah, when they when they want to keep you enslaved. You know, it's very simple. Bring back the gold standard on the on the on the money again. Okay. Well, that, would solve well, that won't work. He says, he says that won't. Yeah, but that won't really won't work either. They say because the manipulators will still, be, you know, they can manipulate the price of gold. Then, you know, I think that a debt-free system that that you know, the way we can back the currency is the way he just said right there in the end right there is, is how, how we can really back the currency and back it the right way. You know, um, it, you know, it, we have to abolish fractional reserve banking. You can't let bankers recreate money out of thin air. They have no reserves in the bank. So it's fraud. They're committing uh, fraud. It's a dishonest system, well, right? Because uh, they've got no reserves. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be – I mean, I know people like gold and everything, but I don't think there's enough gold in circulation anymore. I think they got – I think they confiscated most of it. You know that? I think most of the gold is gone. I think I think it's all hidden and it's stolen. I think the money changes have stolen most of the gold. I really – I believe that well, I think most of the gold has been stolen out of the United States in foreign bank accounts. Okay, that's where yeah, it is. Yeah. It's not in the United States anymore. Fort Knox, you got to be kidding me. It's probably got just dust in it. Okay? Because, <laughs> you know, these people, you know, because every yeah, time yeah, you go by a bank, you, you know, think about it. Every time you go by a bank, I know we have a little bank just, just about a block from here. Every time you go by that bank, the bank door's wide open and the guard's sitting there asleep. Okay, so there's not money in there. If there was money in there, they wouldn't have the damn door open, would they? Okay, no, so they don't have money in the big, no. so much for bank robbery. They've only got I enough mean, you to go do with, the business of the day. That's it. That's it, and that's it. That's there's nothing got. more, nothing else. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you walk in there, so you if I was a big check, you know you can't, right? You know you can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if I was if I was a, if I was a bank robber, I'd go by this bank and said. Man, that thing ain't even worth robbing. There's nothing in it. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think anybody can get away with robbing a bank anymore. I mean, you ever, I mean, I just think that how it's just everybody gets caught. I mean, nobody gets caught the first time, right? Nobody ever gets caught doing something the first time. You ever notice that? You always get away with something for one time, even twice. But when mm-hmm. you do it three yeah. times, four times, five times, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I noticed yeah. that. But anyway. Well, anybody else want to join in the show here? Anybody got want to join in? I know I threw it on there. I just want to throw that little educational spin on there. I mean, I, sometimes I get fired up and I just feel like just doing something, you know, getting the word out. I was going to go Facebook Live, but nah, you know, I, I don't know. I just got this. Like I said, I'm, uh, you know, I got 35 days left for the election, you know, for the primary if I'm going to get elected here. So I'm like, I'm starting to get, you know, like. And they're rigging this stuff. I know they are, you know. I mean, I just, you know, I'm calling voters. I mean. I don't know. I just feel like there's more I can do, man, to get my name out there, and I just don't know what to do. You know what? I don't know how else I can do. And I've gotten more media coverage than any other candidate. <laughs> you know? When you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like that. 
I've been talked about more on the news than any other candidate. I, I thought about that today. I'm like, wow. But it's all negative, though, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh, speaking Where's, uh, I'm, I'm guy tonight? Where's, where's he at? He's not, he's not here. I think he's in the chat room. He might be in the chat room. No, he's not even in the chat. He's in the chat room. Yeah. Is, uh, is uh, Ron Reck going to do a show tonight? I don't know. Okay. Uh, that's a hit and miss. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it's I know. 10th year. With him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Joe Montana, he's got that other show. It's Let's Do It Radio or something. I don't know. I can't, I can't call in and talk about relationships and everything. I don't like calling and talk about that nonsense. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. oh, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not well, Dr. Phil here. You know, Dr. Phil, yeah. Hey, hello, Dr. <laughs> Phil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, well, speaking, you know, speaking of sort of freedoms, I'm in Facebook jail again for 24 hours. Oh, you are? Me a, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What did you do? For saying, what'd, you, what'd you do? Well, I just commented. It, there's a there's a a gun group called Sig Sawyer. That's a that's a that's a gun that I carry. I carry a Sig Sawyer nine millimeter, and um, yeah. they was posting pictures of you know I think the, the the question or the deal was what kind of gun do you carry today? And I said, uh, here, I see it right here. I said, my baby is a P two fifty nine millimeter, hundred twenty four grain jacket, hollow points, one hot seventeen in standby, and two twenty one round spare mags on my gun belt. You know, savage animals, either the two legged or the four four legged, they attack attacks. That's all I said. That's it. Twenty four hours. And that's what got you. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, there's no free speech no, anymore. Yeah. Now, twenty years ago, no, would you ever thought that would have happened to you? Yeah, it says we've removed your comment. Why did this happen? I took a screenshot of it. It looks like you tried to buy, <laughs> sell, or exchange items that governments have restricted or banned. It's in the damn gun group, you idiots. Unreal. <laughs> See, the, Unreal. these people are really telling. They really, it's, it's, they're totally. The, the rocket scientists, let me tell you, they're freaking rocket scientists. <laughs> they sure are. They sure are. I mean, well, you you can't say anything. I mean, I've been kicked off so many times off of Facebook. They stopped kicking me off though lately. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been posting that much. But they were I mean, when Trump was president. They, I was getting kicked off. I mean, I was banned for six yeah. months one time. You know? I mean, it was oh, yeah. insane. I've been banned for two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy. January sixth. Oh. oh, they just took. They censored me all automatically. Bam. Yeah, I know. I was under Bam. investigation. I know I was. You know. So I was home. I had nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, I didn't even post anything about it. So <laughs> did a podcast show about yeah. it, but you know, but that's in my own account. I'm sure they buy hacking and get it. But uh, what do you think of this uh, um, um, uh, Donald Trump verdict? Eighty-three million dollars. Man. Well, you know, again, that's <laughs> these people are sadistic. They are so. Yeah, they're they're evil. They 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 want to dig up anything that they can possibly do on a candidate, just like they do to you. Same thing. Only yep, ten yeah. times worse with Donald Trump. Okay. Oh yeah. You know. Oh, I, I peached a little ass forty years ago. Oh, look at you. You're a. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It's freaking amazing. I should have been a psychologist. You know, to better understand the stupidity of people. 
And then the then the make yep. pay eighty four million dollars. Well, the Donald Trump that's pocket change, eighty four million dollars. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's a bunch of it's a bunch of garbage to start out with. They making this stuff this stuff up, trying to make the man look bad, and it's only making him more powerful. Or powerful. Well, do you think this? Okay. Do you think is Abbott a puppet of the uh, uh, WEF? I mean, what do you think? He's a puppet of the World Economic Forum. He, he could be okay because well, well, let's. Well, I got you, something here from Alex Jones. Let's see. Let's yeah. play this, from Alex Jones. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today. Now, since we talk about Abbott a lot here on the show and ask, you know, is he controlling the border? Is he not? We've been down there a bunch the last few years. Our videos have been filed. We posted them here on X. Where they come up with myself, Owen Schroer, other reporters, and the state guard tells us, turn your cameras off at midnight or 2 a.m. when they got all these buses coming across of men, women, and children, and many of them unaccompanied children. They admit hundreds of thousands of children under Biden have been smuggled in the U.S. So we know that Abbott's been talking a lot of talk, but he's been aiding it so far. Now at least an Eagle Pass, he backed it up. He backed up the illegals. He, he put the barbed wire in. But a few miles down the road, he's still waving them through with the state guard. Our reporters are down there. The video's coming out. It's going viral. But the World Economic Forum is a globalist organization of the U.N. to penetrate governments and to give corporate support to governors and mayors and senators and state congresspeople and federal legislators to carry out the New World Order, to penetrate the cabinets, as Klaus Schwab famously talked about with David Gergen at the Kennedy uh, School. But here's a new clip of him being asked about the WEF, and he won't even denounce it when he knows it's been one of the hottest topics for years, even on Fox News. This is pretty damning. All right, we'll not denounce them. So here is Klaus Schwab explaining how they control and run our lives. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, uh, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina, and so on, that we penetrate the cabinet. So yesterday I was at a, rece at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and 
I would know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for are actually young noble leaders of the world. Great, and that's true in Argentina. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, that's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina, and uh, it's true in France now. I mean, with the president, with the young global leader, but what is important for me? So it's one thing to have been part of the WEF or go speak at it once and then say you're against it later. It's another thing entirely to not denounce it. That is damning of Greg Abbott. And the document you can see here the Great Awakening orbiting the Great Reset. Although the depopulation systems of the Great Reset are not yet fully operational, the Great Reset does have a strong conspiracy network. It is protected by a satanic shield which can be disabled by the Great Awakening. The Great Reset must be deactivated if any victory for humanity is to be accomplished. Once the Great Awakening deactivates the shield, Infowars.com. All right. Well, there you have it, Governor Abbott. You know, I mean, uh, to become governor, you got to know somebody. I mean, you got to play ball with somebody. I mean, you're just not going to become governor. I'm sorry. <laughs> just not going to happen. Huh. You know. I mean, uh, you got a guy down there in Texas. I, I let me see if I can get to him. Right, he's running for governor. I don't know if you know him or not. Um. Let me get his, get his name here. He's on my Facebook page. Let me see if I can get his name up here. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, ah, what the heck, man? When this damn thing ain't working. Um, uh, he sent me a message, actually, when he, a few months ago. And uh, the ADL pulled the crap, same crap with him, actually. I labeled him a racist. Um, all that crap. Um, I don't know if I got him up here or not right away. But he's from Texas. He's running for governor. Um, damn, I wish I had his name off the top of my head. Oh, man. I haven't talked to him in about a month. So, um, no, he's on my messenger right here. But anyway, he's running for uh, governor down there in Texas. I, if I, I, well, you're not on Facebook. You're off for, like, just for today? Gunslinger? I didn't, yeah, I didn't I didn't hear about that. The guy that you're talking about. I had to look at No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you his name. Yeah, I'm going to try to get his name to you. Uh, uh, see if you know him or not. I'm trying. I'm looking right now. I can't. I can't find it. And, you know, when you want to look right. for something, you just can't find. You know, you can't find it. But he's down in Texas. I know that he's part of the militia community, actually. Um, right. I, I, you know, I, I, I know you must know his name. Maybe I don't know. But uh, I, I talked to him a few times. I talked to him once on the phone, and uh, the, the ADL did what did to him what they did to me. Also, well, he'd be on that. He'd be on that. Uh, that ADL uh, article then. Uh, where they wrote about me, the ADL, you know, because I put misleaders. Our leaders are misleaders. That makes me a neo-Nazi. I mean, if you say uh-huh. misleaders, our leader, that makes you a neo-Nazi, you know. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy, I tell you. Man, oh, man. These people are just off the chain, off the hook. Man, where do they come up with this stuff? They just make stuff up. You know, just make it up anything. That liberal Dan, he banned me off his show, the scumbag liberal Dan, so that's fine. Go to hell, pal. Take your show and take it with you, too. I mean, it's, it's, liberals are good at that. Censoring people, right? Nick, his name is Nick something, Nick something. That's what his name is, Nick something. I got that. Um, but, yeah, liberals, they love censoring people. They love it. They love it. You know? 
And uh, that's I think Mike is, I mean, Mike, is on, I think Mike is on the line. He says I'm on the line. Yeah, the I'm trying room. to get back to my show. I'm trying to get back to my show here, and I can't get to it. I'm trying to get to it. Hang on, Mike. I'm trying to get to you. Hang on. I'll just log back in then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to go look for that. You see, I went to go look for that that uh, that that guy, and, and uh, my show disappeared off my studio screen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hang on, Mike. I'll get to you in a second here, man. I gotta go to my studio. Hang on. I gotta re-log into my studio. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I got a few people on the line here. Let me unmute them here. Bam. Let's see here. Bam. Let me unmute. It. I'll unmute both of you. Go ahead. You're both on. Hey, yes, I'm looking at the uh, uh, Ballotpedia from last year's 2022. Uh, there's a uh, Abbott, O'Rourke, Tippetts. These are the people that ran for governor. Mark Kippitz, uh, Delilah ba- Barrios, Mark. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Yeah, Mark. I think his name is Mark. I think his name is Mark. Mark Kippitz. Yeah, I think that's him. Yeah, I think that's him. Yes, I think that would be yeah, him. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he's. Because I know there was yeah, a guy that, that, that ran one point by the name of Chad Prather. But but he didn't. He's not showing up on this list. Um, yeah, the, so, the ADL. The ADL ran an uh, article about him. Actually, who's that private caller that I unmuted? Who's that? This is Brother Mike. How are you? Oh, Mike. Okay, okay. Go ahead, Mike. Yes, sir. And uh, we, yesterday we discussed a lot of uh, uh, international news, and yep, today. Yep. Even we got more news than the day before. Actually, the preparation for nuking Iran is progress. And, uh, you know, I asked the people of Iran, uh, go to their banks, bank runs, and take all their money out of this uh, stupid Ayatollahs right away and buy food and, 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 and make shelters. Because it's going to be, mud, I mean, I, I mean, once it happens, we all know what it is. But yeah, it's so going you're over. You say hard. you're over in Singapore. You say you're over in Singapore. Right. That's what you say. Right. Or you're, you got a connection right. over there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know. Is one time I, I looked you up. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Is the hard uh, uh, nuclear bombs are going to fall on Tehran, Mashhad, uh, Hamadan, Shiraz? Yeah, but you said 96 and, hours. You said 96 hours. That's what you said. It'll okay. be 96 hours that there'll be a strike, right? That's yes, what you said. No, but, I know but, things but, can change. Have, I'm not holding you to that, you know. I'm just saying that's but, what you said. But, but we have more information. The things is going to be for six to eight weeks of complete uh, nuking the Iran. So this is going to be because people of in Iran, they are tired. And they they are ready to accept the nukes because they want freedom. Freedom is better to live under the... What do you mean they want to accept the nukes? I don't understand what you mean by that. What do you mean by that? They want to accept the nukes. United States and Israel are going to nuke Iran very soon. Oh, nuke Iran. Oh, come on. I can't buy that one. I can't buy that. Why? Why are we going to? Well, like Israel might. Israel might, but the United States won't do that. No way. Everything will be started by the United States, and the responses will be very bad from Iran. And the only option is Samsung option. 
and Samsung option will be delivered to Iran after that. That's what I say. Keep saying. New well, yeah, yeah. Iran. Israel might do it. Sure. Israel might do something towards Iran. They've said they would, actually. They said they'd they, they hit them, not, you know. Not at the beginning. Beginning is United States kind of alone is going to take care of everything and prepare the way. And then if uh, we are going to get retaliation anyway. I and think, then, well, Mike, Mike. Mike, Mike, with all due respect, I know probably if you're over there in Singapore, that's probably what the people are saying. But I'm over here in America, and that's not what's going to happen. I, the United States is not going to launch a nuclear missile towards Iran or, or launch one from one of their aircraft when, submarines. When, when the general, stupid generals of Ayatollah said we are going to uh, annihilate Israel, and also all the forces uh, that they have been there. Yeah, but Mike, they've been so, saying that for years. They've been saying that. Okay, Iran's been saying but, they're going to destroy yeah, Israel for a while now. Because United I know, States I know. is not going I know. To, to sit and watch, my friend. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think that's – in my opinion, I just don't think that's going to happen from the people I talk to and the things that I know. You know, I just don't think it's ready yet. But it could. It could. I'm not. I'm not calling you crazy. I'm not saying that you're nuts. Okay. I'm just saying that you know. I. I don't think. It, you know. I don't think it will. And six to eight weeks of the extensive bombings will be starting very soon. And not only Iranian people. And my message to Iranian people: just go, get your bank run, get food, everything. Yeah. Because this system, bloody system, is going to go to the hell uh, within six to eight weeks. And the new democratic regime of Iran is going to establish for the Iran. But, I mean, it doesn't matter how much, uh, uh, you know, casualties happen in Iran uh, by mistake or, or, or as, a result, as a result of all this, uh, 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 you know, all right, Mike. Uh, let me ask you this. Let me let me ask my other guys that are on here. I got two other guys that are with me right now. On, uh, you know, what, what, uh, the other Mike. Uh, what do you think? What he's saying right there. You think Israel will or the United States will nuke Iran? You know what? You know we we at one point we did have them under control because we cut off the oil and we cut off. You know, we got out of the goddamn Iran deal. You know. And yeah. now that this idiot president, no, no, now America might not do it because this idiot president that we have now, whoever, if you want to believe it's Obama, if you want to believe it's Biden, whatever, believe what you want to believe who's running the show. But yeah. this idiot president, because he gave the money back to Iran, got back into the Iran deal, he's not going to be doing the nuking now. If uh, I, I, I agree, which I think I think it's probably if anybody's going to do something like that, it's going to be Israel. And well, yeah. well, we, we have uh, airplanes. We have F thirty five, F thirty C, thirty five C, thirty five A, and etc. Uh, we give them to the top guns of the Israeli pilots, and they will take the job right. I mean, after the, everything happens, it's six to eight weeks, is that uh, uh, Israel is going to? Uh, fi- finish the job because this is the only window of opportunity that has been open. I mean, other window of opportunity was opened many, many times, but everybody missed it. Now 
they're not going to miss this window of opportunity. And if they do, it will be shame on them. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Right. What do you think, Gunslinger? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. And that thing, there's always been, there's always been, you know, uh, rumors about about Israel hitting those nuclear sites in Iran, those like the nuclear whatever whatever sites in Iran, you know, like they did when they a few years back in Iraq, they hit some nuclear sites in Iraq, you know, so. so there's always been so like I said it's 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 probably not going to be America that does it. I agree with and I agree with the fellow. I think Mike, the, Mike, the, Mike, when is Mike, 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 Mike. Yeah. Look, number one, they're not going to use they're not going to use no nuclear um, exchange. People doesn't seem to realize, and they don't seem to realize that the history repeats itself. You ever heard of uh, Japan in World War II? There's millions and millions of people that have died, and even more to this mm-hmm. date, because mm-hmm. they used the atomic bomb, which is a nuclear same thing. Okay? Yes, yes. Nakazaki. Yeah, they're not going to do that. They're, I mean, yeah, they're not going to do that. I mean, turning that place into a glass parking lot is not a good idea. Now, it may be good for one side or the other. I don't know. Don't care. But it would affect us over here in the United States because of trade winds. Iran has built all their atomic uh, weapons either close to Shiraz, Esfahan City, or Tehran, Qom, Yazd, and many other cities that, if I name it, it will be too long. So they, you see nowhere in the world... Come on. I mean, if you want to maybe build something like nuclear or some uh, facilities or whatever, uh, in the United States, for example, oh, my gosh, you have to go through thousands of environmental laws. Why is Pakistan, with... why is Pakistan striking Iran, though? Why are they after Iran? That's a weird weird. Okay. They, do you see, uh, they, I, I, it was uh, Ayatollah's. They wanted to say, you see, we can go attack Pakistan and then become friends with them even more. We can uh, attack the U.S. embassy in, what is that, uh, near Kurdistan, uh, in the uh, uh, northeast of Iraq, and we can do all those things. And you see, nobody touches Mm -hmm. us. So this time... The, everything was messed up because they did uh, with the uh, drone, and the drone actually it has uh, a special. Uh, well, they can't do much GP, with drones. GPS. You know, any drone attacks, cruise missiles, and everything. The only thing that's going to crush Iran is troops on the ground, like we did Iraq. I mean, you could bomb those countries, bomb them, and bomb them, and bomb them, and you know they're in the freaking desert as it is. You know. I mean, you know, what, 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 the only thing that's going to, you're going to be able to do real damage is by unseating the government by troops on the ground. Everyone knows that. Look at Iraq. Look at now, how long the airstrikes, the amount of airstrikes we did, you know? But 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 the question is, things uh, will get more, uh, you know, 
hearts uh, crazy. Iran will yeah. be attacked. Iran will be keep attacking. I think Persian Gulf will be closed. I ask you guys in United States and North America and, and NATO, please fill up your gas tank pretty much every night. And also, you know, uh, thing. you need to have access to your some of your money in the cash because once the if once missile goes, there is no point of return. Okay, Mike. Let me, Mike. Can I just say something though. Yeah, I appreciate that. But you know what? Back in 1990, they did the same thing when we were going to war with Iraq. Everybody, watch out, gas is this, and you know you're never gonna get gas again once the war starts because he's got the fifth largest army in the world, you know, and you know what I mean. If we attack Iran, if we do do to attack Iran, no, I'd be shocked if Biden pulls this off and he attacks Iran and does it something is really imminent, big. My friend, you know, I'd be shocked. It is imminent, but it is imminent attack to Iran. It's imminent. Yeah, I know. Everything I know. is imminent, and six to eight weeks is imminent. Oh, but Mike, Mike it's that? Not, this guy is not going to happen with this with this particular with this particular president who's being run by another guy whose strings are being pulled by another guy who's a Muslim guy. Uh, yeah. Obama. It's not going to happen. He got us back into that Iran deal. It's not going to happen. Now, Israel, sure, Israel could do something like that. So, it, so, They've given, we've given them weapons. I mean, Israel, Israel is going to Gaza and it's going to Lebanon, take care of the Lebanon. So pretty much they're kind of taking care of that area. So now United States has to go and take care of the, um, you know, uh, head of the snake. I think, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what. I think Israel's got its hands full with Gaza right now. Like Mike is saying, like the other Mike was saying, I think it's not going to happen right now. You said six to eight weeks, maybe eight weeks from now, anything can happen. You know, who knows? You know, what, what are we looking at? We're going right. to springtime now. No, no, no. Things are imminent. You know, if we're going to tell Iran, it's imminent. But, and guys, you know? if you're going to tell me that, okay, if you're going to tell me that, okay, fine. They're not, I'm going to say they're not going to use the atomic bomb, but if you're going to tell me that, we're gonna Israel in six or eight weeks is gonna go over there and use precision guided bombs to uh, to bomb to kill the damn uh, try and kill the damn I I'll buy that I'll buy that we hope yeah. so we hope so that it's true because otherwise <laughs> if they do not uh, you know take care of the ayatollahs really. I mean, I will become and I piss uh, on the air later on. But yeah. our our hope is that this result to weakness of the all their forces. So the Iranian, those who survive, I don't know, maybe seventy percent of Iranian will die within six to eight weeks. But no, the, I don't think that will happen. Yes, because it's the atom bomb. You know, it is. They're not going to use nuclear, right, Mike? They're not going to use nuclear. They will not use nuclear, brother. I'm telling you, they won't. But even <laughs> they if they use J five carpet uh, bombs, you know, because everything is made in the city. Everyone, well, hang on, Mike. So, I'm going to give you a news flash. Hang on, I'm going to give you a news flash right now. Okay, everyone says Israel has nuclear bombs. They don't. They don't have nuclear weapons that can strike other countries. They don't. 
They only have the capability because the United States would lend them the missiles. That's it, or the, or the capability from their submarines. That's it. They don't have nuclear weapons. They claim they do, and everyone, all the other Arabs think they do. They don't. They don't. Trust me. I know people are high-ranking in the military for many years. They don't. People that have been stationed over there, they don't. Everyone no, says yeah, they do. That's I, a lie. Has a 400 atom bombs. Uh, come on. They no, said no. that everybody No, they don't. That. No, they don't. You're telling me they have more atom bombs, more nuclear weapons than the country of France or Britain? No way. No way. There's only oh, – you know who has nuclear weapons in this world? Russia, China, France, Britain, and the United States. We're the only countries that yes. have nuclear warheads that, that can long go from like – ballistic missiles, that is, you know? Yeah, that can go long range. Now, you've got short-range nuclear. Pakistan's got short-range nuclear. India has got short-range nuclear, but they got nuclear power. That's it. They can't shoot a missile from here to – I mean from their country to the United States. It ain't going to happen. With precision guidance, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know, they don't have that capability. You know, but, okay. I mean, I mean, they okay. don't. Here's what, here's what, uh, here's what, uh, if you want to trust Google, but here's what Google says. Israel is also generally understood to have, understood to have yep. nuclear weapons, but does not acknowledge it. Maintaining yep. a power of a policy of deliberate, deliberate ambiguity. Israel is estimated to possess, estimated to possess somewhere between 75 and 400 nuclear warheads. Yeah. That means they're they're understood, but they may or may not have it. Yeah, I don't think they're, they don't. And it's an estimated number, so so they could have it and they could not have it. So again, I'll say this. They don't need. They don't need to have it. They need to make people believe they have it. Yes, you know? exactly. What, like North Korea. Okay. Like North, they, North, they, North Korea is listed as one of those, right? But they don't have it technically because they can't shoot it because it goes right into the ocean as soon as they shoot it. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> they don't have the tech. Yeah, they don't have the technology. They don't have the technology to do it. The the yeah. North Koreans. You know? Yeah. Now, exactly. I'm going to get the technology from, like, China, sure. But the China, North Korea is their puppet. It's China's Yes, exactly. Puppet. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. But like I said. You see, you, in North like Korea, said, it's happened. We let uh, If you're going to tell me that, uh, if you're going to tell me that Israel in six, six eight, ten months is going to, after maybe somewhere after all this stuff with Gaza and possibly uh, Lebanon uh, settles down, when Hezbollah and Hamas settle down, they go into they go into uh, Iran and drop American-made precision-guided bombs using American satellites on that will guide those bombs onto the houses of the uh, the Ayatollahs, fine, I'll buy that. You know, you know, they ha- they probably have those type of bombs. Those are normal type of bombs, right? Just regular bombs, right? Just regular, you know. And so they probably have those bombs in Israel, and they probably if if they asked us about this, using satellites to use to drop those type of bombs. I'm pretty sure we probably 
maybe give them to maybe maybe not with this president in the White House, but we, if it was Trump or somebody else, yeah, we give the okay to use our satellites to guide those bombs to their targets. But those yeah, are yeah, yeah. normal normal kind of payload bombs, right? Yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, the other Mike from St. Go ahead. You want to say something? Private, my private call, Mike. I don't know. Is he still there, Mike? Is he still there? Yeah, he might have dropped. <laughs> yeah, he might have dropped. He, like but he, he might have dropped. That's fine. You know, I I understand what he's saying. But he look. also he called in I'm last like, night. He called in last night. He said within ninety nine. He said within ninety something hours that we were going to be. There was going to be uh, uh, retaliatory strikes on Iran, you know. So we're already 24 hours now. So you know, can't make those kind of right. calls, man. Predictions not get called out on it now, you know. What was that? Uh, what was that thing? What was that thing from Alex Jones about? I missed, I missed the majority one? of it. Oh, which one? Yeah. Oh man, Governor Abbott. The one. It was about Governor Governor yeah. Abbott, I think. Oh, okay. He's talking about Governor Abbott. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got 907 um, who wants to join us, too. Go ahead, 907. Sorry, I didn't see you right away. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here listening to you guys, and you know what? Uh, I wouldn't completely dismiss uh, what Shanghai Mike is saying. Okay? Yeah. Uh, because I don't trust Obama. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, just because Obama is Muslim doesn't mean jack shit. Because that's a good point. The, Muslim, the, Mus- the Muslims have been killing each other for 1,400 years. You know? And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. I don't think that we would <clears throat> uh, use a nuke or anything. Um, but you no, know, I don't think we would either. He's got. He said ninety-six hours, and you know, yeah. ninety-six hours is is a, is a short period of time to put together uh, a hell of a strike package, you know. Yeah, I know, right? You know, depending on uh, who's running, who's really running the zoo. Ooh, pardon me. Ooh, you know, I don't know. But, you know, uh, we don't have any, we don't have any uh, deployment that I've heard of any of the aircraft carriers into that region. Yeah, we got them there. Does it mean we need the aircraft carriers in that region? No. Yeah, we got three of them. We got three of them. There's three of them in that area. Yeah, there's three of them already over there. Yeah, there's three aircraft carriers over in that region right now as we speak. They've been there now for the past couple months. Well, I know the Gerald Ford got pulled back into the States. Uh, and that was one of them that had gone over there. 
Um, we only need so, one, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know? Well, that all depends on how big your strike package is going to be. It'll be all cruise missiles, you know? my, uh, 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 boy. It'll be all cruise missiles. They won't use aircraft. All computer. Yeah. You know? I they don't, use aircraft. Uh, they, they use those Raptors. You, you they know, go I use those Raptors. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That would be very dangerous. Well, you know, <clears throat> right now, I, I, I could believe just about anything. Okay, with the situation we're in, so yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not dismissing anything that uh, Shanghai Mike says, because you know he gets his news and information from different sources than we get, uh, and you know I don't trust our news sources here either, but uh, you know. If you would uh, look around at uh, the news and stuff that uh, comes out, usually you get the most accurate news from overseas newspapers. They're more on the spot than uh, uh, on target than uh, ours is. That's true. That's true. You know. We're we're in the middle of deploying. Uh, what did I hear? I heard numbers of up to uh, ten thousand troops to Europe right now. Um, they're what? also huh? Do what? Do what? Well, there's yeah, a big you, exercise. There's a big exercise that's going to go on in Europe. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, exercises and stuff like that are convenient ways to deploy your troops. Uh, say you're going to do one thing and be able to do something else. You know, I I think uh, everybody is uh, waiting for Putin to make a move. Um, you know what? Now, well, what, what it is? I could find what it out. Is in, Huh? I I could find out, Boyd. To be honest with you, I could. I can go. I could find out about a lot of things, but I'm not going to contact my buddies because they told me not to unless it's an emergency, and I'm not going to bother them. I did it a couple of years ago, well, and I got in I trouble. Would, I, so, I, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be contacting them. I'd just be sitting around watching. Um, <laughs> you know, because over the weekend, um. There was eight or nine uh, air refuelers across the Atlantic. And, uh, really? yeah. And that is an indication, you know, when, when you see air refuelers around, it doesn't necessarily confirm anything because uh, your air refuelers can be uh, um, uh, used for cargo also. 
But yeah. eight or nine of them going over that direction looks like uh, possibly they are moving fighter squadrons. Because the fighter squadrons would need to be uh, refueled in the flight across the Atlantic. Yep, yep. And, you know, there was just way too many of them. The other, uh, the other thing is, okay, is uh, I, I saw a, uh, uh article or headlines where the UK has given the U.S. permission to uh, move nukes into the UK. All right. Well, if that's if that's true, the only way they could move nukes to the UK like that is to fly them. You know, but they can't fly them on bombers. That's against the that's strictly against the law. That's an act of war. If you move your nukes yeah. on your bombers. So you load them up into cargo planes and you transport them that way. Well, so there's there's a there's a lot of shit there's a lot of shit that's going on that uh you know may or may not mean anything but you know there are don't you, yeah, don't you wish you don't you wish that it would just be all knocked off already and knock it off I'm a little, a little sick and tired of it you know are we going to get it on or not yeah. you know I know I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at this article and it's uh, it says that that the other one of the other carrier groups that's over there the the, the Dwight D Eisenhower aircraft carrier strike group you know which would which has replaced the Ford that's the one they use to replace the Ford uh, group so so when they brought the Ford group home Right, they sent the Eisenhower out to replace it, and you're right, boy. They're they're you they're if they're if they're asking to to ship the nukes through from U.S. through Britain through the U.K. to wherever they're going to them. I mean, the only place where the only place we're there. Is in in the Middle East slash um, Red Sea area, you know. Yeah, one and one is two. They would, they would, they would, they would not move nukes over to the Middle East and park them there. Uh, they don't the have. The way they move nukes, the only way they would move, the only way they would move nukes over to the Middle East was for deployment. And deployment means move, they come they out of the bottom of the they come out of the bottom of the airplane. No, 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 no. They got submarines. Submarines would want them. Right? Or they come off of a uh, off of a tube in a ship. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing. Okay, you guys are all hot and bothered on using uh, cruise missiles and all of that shit and not using aircraft. Well, uh, you guys are smart, but
But the guy who's running the show, he ain't so smart. <laughs> yeah. You got that yeah. right. If it's truly, if it's so, truly him that's running the show. Yeah, well, the guy who's really running the show ain't too fucking smart either. Yeah, you know? really. But well, you know, he's got all he's got ulterior motives to uh, to do what he's going to do. You know, true. If he yeah, if he wants that, to, uh, huh? What would that be? You think? If they kill the entire planet off, what the fuck are they going to do then? <laughs> Live in a mountain or under, under, underground for the next 25 years? I don't right. know. I ain't going to be here, so, you know, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. There, hey, there, right. There'll, be, there'll be something that's happening. You'd be surprised because if they were gonna, if they were, if they were gonna start to throw nukes around, you know, we would be Anchorage would be a target because of our yes, military bases here. Yes, it would. Oh, speaking but, of Anchorage, you know, boy, you never, you never, you know, I ain't gonna try and outguess them sons of bitches, you know, because yeah, as soon as you get, as soon as you get them all. As soon as you think you got them all figured out, they go do something stupid. You know. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. And and really, you really can't outguess a guy who has a a guy who has as his puppet this uh you know who has as his puppet a guy who has cognitive issues. That's not gonna question being a puppet, you know. You know this is yeah. This is what we're dealing with, you know. Uh, the Hamas and Hezbollah are puppets of of Iran. That cannot be argued. All right, they're puppets of Iran. So anytime, anytime those two groups uh, attack Israel or attack somebody, you can damn well guess that it's going to be attacking by, you know, attacking, you know, its its daughters have come, come from Tehran, all right? They've come from the mothers in Tehran. That's, that's it. And by the way, by the way, uh, if... Who gave us who gave us the mullahs in Tehran? Another fucking Democrat, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Sure did. Well, you missed it, boy. You missed that, or Mike, too. You missed it. That idiot Chewbacca came on the line here tonight. That idiot Chewbacca. That idiot Chewbacca. I hope he's listening. Yeah. Oh, on your show? Yeah. Uh, earlier today. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Where the hell was I? Yeah. You heard. You heard that when I was uh, on there the other night. Yeah. When you were on Shabaka's show. Yeah. You heard that shit. You heard them crap. You heard them sons of bitches. What, what they were saying. Uh huh. What'd you think? Yeah. <laughs> well. 
I had a lot of things I could have said or wanted to say, but I figured, you know, they're so hard-headed and set in their ways, they wouldn't understand it anyway. Thank you very much. Very true. Very yeah, true. You know, Shabak is no book. Shabak is no uh, no better than what's his name that was on uh, Lori Ann's show uh, uh, on Sunday. Um, not Nathan. Uh, nice. What's the, the other one? Nice. 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 Yeah. Yeah, you heard him well, on nice. there too, huh? You heard him? He was on there last night, right, Boyd? Uh, nice. Boy, he showed his true colors, huh? Yeah, but he could have been just going along to get along. But who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah, I know. know. I know. I know how it goes. I mean, but you, you know me, I don't go along to get along. I tell them like it is. <laughs> call me. They muted me quick last night when I started snapping on them. Once called me a cracker, and he's going to put his back, he's going to put his foot on the back of my throat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Scumbag. You, you, you little kitty cats, I call them. I call them the kitty cats, the Black Panthers, the kitty cats. <laughs> I mean, I should have known that when, when, when I asked them the question about, do you believe that the Hunter Biden laptop is real, and he said no, I should have known what right. I was going to get from him, you know? Was oh, it, yeah. Was that nice? Was that Naj? It that was that? Naj. Yeah. That was okay. Naj, yeah. Remember, I was trying to make the point, you know, about everything about the laptop being, you know, the the thing, the sheet of paper that has his name and all that stuff, the sticker on it, and, and he, he just didn't he, he just want he just didn't want to hear anything about it. That didn't want to hear nothing about it. Nothing nope. about it. Nothing. Zero. I mean, that's the problem yeah. with those people. You can't have a conversation with well, them. And, and, and to tell you the truth, he wasn't even listening to the point of when I was talking about what Ron Reckett pointed out about things that get left places after they've been brought to somebody to be fixed or whatever, that those, that particular thing, Ron Reck says, and he knows he knows about this because he he's a he's a he repairs cars for well I guess he used to or he, he still might do it but he repairs cars for a living and he says that once you leave an object like a car in the in the hands of a guy for more than yeah. forty five days or some I don't know I can't remember the number of days I think it's. 30, 40, 45, every day, that, that object, that car becomes the property of the owner, of, of okay. the business guy, you know? Yeah. So, so that that guy, that <laughs> computer store guy, once, once the decision was made by him to not uh, to not come back and get that computer, then the guy can give the computer to whomever he wants to give That's the right. Or 
information right. on that computer to whomever he wants to give that information to, which actually right. happened. I think he ended up giving the computer to the FBI, but he copied it, and it ended up getting into the hands of Rudy Giuliani, you know? So that's... Yeah, hey, that whatever happened to him and his charges? Hey, whatever happened to him and his charges? Remember, he got charged, too. What happened? That guy disappeared, I huh? Think he got, I, I, think it, I think he got off. Oh. I think he got off. And then, and then did you see what happened with this idiot, E. Jean Carroll? She goes on to, what was it, MSNBC? Oh, how are you going to spend your money? Are you going to spend your $86 million? Oh, I know. Dollars a month. Oh, I'm gonna go shopping. I'm gonna go fishing in France, and I'm gonna do all this stuff. Why aren't you? That makes me mad, so man. Up, yeah, if you're if she's also fired up about helping people, okay. Now I've said it before. She is not gonna see a penny of that money. No, I know it's gonna be appealed forever. It's gonna be appeals. Even even if even if look, even if she does win she does win, how much of my, yeah. how much of that money is she gonna actually send because because she's gotta pay the goddamn lawyers. Oh god, yeah. Probably, probably half of it goes to well, lawyers. Court costs. Yeah, oh god. She's got she's got she's got she also has to pay the uh guy who financed her to uh, take it to court. Oh, really? The guy who yep. fin- yeah. She was financed by somebody else. Oh. That wasn't her money that she needed. And okay. uh, guess guess who that somebody is that financed Donald Trump. her? <laughs> no. No, the same, the same guy that's fi- – that's, it's the same guy that's financing uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, hey, can yep. somebody finance me? I, hear, <laughs> I can and hear you. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. She could, if if the appeals go right for Donald Trump, she could end up being having done to her what Stormy Daniels had done to her when she sued Trump. Yeah, she yep. ended up having to pay Trump because she sued Trump. You know, so then what's she gonna do? So then what's she gonna uh, do? She can care about watching herself. You know, she's don't well, laugh your way to the bank so fast. Trump counter counter mm-hmm. suit uh, Stormy Daniels and won. Stormy Daniels no, really? owes Trump money. Yes, I didn't know that. Damn, that's new intel for me. I did not know that. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yep. All these shit all these shit cases are gonna are gonna uh blow up in the Democrats' face. Because the more they get to him, the more popular he gets, you know? Yep. And that's that's like they do to me, man. But that's he, what they did to me. You know what I mean? The more yeah. they kept thrashing me, people were like, Oh no, come on, he didn't not, that didn't happen to him, you know? Yeah. No, oh, he didn't. He's not a Nazi. Uh, Come on. Nah, nah. And that's the thing. You look at, you got the, well, well, since the Stormy Daniels case is done, 
okay, he's got those two those two other cases in New York. This yeah. one and yeah. uh, the thing about him overvaluing uh, freaking uh, Marilago, which probably isn't done. You know, it it it's probably the right valuation that he gave them for Marilago. You know, but that's that's not that's not the point. The point is to tie him up in court to the point of where it's not it's not even to get a judgment a money judgment. It's to tie him up in court and keep him off the keep him off the ability to run for president. That's the that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah these courts in New York are rigged against him and probably end up with a money judgment against them. But that 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 judgment is going to probably end up being appealed and they'll never see it. What do you want me to judgment. play here at Mike at the end? Hey Mike, we got we lost everybody pretty much. So what do you want me to play here at the end for music? What do you like? Uh whatever you want to play. Whatever you want to play. You sure? You ain't got a request? You ain't got a request? Nah, I'm good. All right. All right. All right. Well, what kind of what kind of music do you like? What kind of music? Eh, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, country, rock. <laughs> yeah, I, I, all right, all right. I got you. I got you. All right then. All right, we'll play this then at the end here. Let's play this. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, we'll play a little something. All right, here we go. All right, man. Be safe, man. God bless the republic, everybody. Bye bye.
Jack. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. George Bush has invoked a new world order without denunciating a new American purpose. Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. Today we take an essential step in defeating terrorism while protecting the constitutional rights of all Americans. Preventing mass terror will be the responsibilities of presidents far into the future. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These are not simply words written into aging parchment. They are the foundation of liberty and justice in this country. This is an ideological battle. Some people believe in globalism, others of us believe in national sovereignty. It's a contest between ideologies, whether we believe in our institutions here, our national sovereignty, our constitution, or are we going to further move in the direction of international government? It's just knowledge is out there. If we look for it, you'll realize that our national sovereignty is under threat. I feel like this all the time trying to politically awaken people that they're being lied to, that there's an agenda. 
it's not left or right. It's, hey, there's mind control going on. The signals broadcast 24 hours a day through all this media. Just become aware of it, and they'll say, there's nothing going on. And I want to say, put on these glasses or start chewing concrete. They have taken the hearts and minds of our leaders. They have recruited the rich and the powerful. And they have blinded us to the truth. The question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guest tonight. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. An estimated 50 to 70 million Americans suffer from a sleep disorder or sleep deprivation. Outside the limit of our sight, feeding off us. Perched on top of us from birth to death are our owners. Latest census numbers prove the United States has the biggest gap between rich and poor compared to all westernized countries today. Our projections show that by the year 2025, not only America, but the entire planet will be under the protection and the dominion of this power alliance. The gains have been substantial, both for ourselves and for you. The human power elite. And for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awakened. That's a total new reality. I've got one that can see. We can't be the only ones who can see. Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate, sinister entity that's got at the root of all our problems. It's a new morning in America. Fresh. Good evening. I would like to report on the state of our war against the American people. We're mounting a sustained campaign to crack down on every American and every person of every faith every nation and to bring them to justice all missions are being executed according to plan without warning or provocation americans are being swept up in an international dragnet thousands of fbi agents are on the trail of other citizens here and abroad it has everything to do with hate and evil and murder and prejudice america's strong 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 Like every day, I watch it and listen and call them all suckers. 
They wanted me about a summer or whatever. Picture me buying the scam. I said never. You in tune to a hard truth soldier spitting. I stay committed, give a fuck to die, I lose commission. It's all a part of fighting devil state mind control. And all about the battle for your body, mind, and soul. And now I'm hoping you don't close your mind so they shape you. Don't forget they made us slaves, gave us AIDS, and raped us. Another push season mean another war for profit. All in secret so the public never seek to stop it. The Illuminati, triple six, all connected. Stole a vote, stay control the race, and take elections. It's the skull and bones, Freemason kill committee. See the dragon getting shot. Shittier in every city. Couldn't stand his name. Now even niggas waving flags like they lost their mind. Everybody got opinions, but don't know the time. Cause America's been took. It's plain to see. The oldest trick in the book is making enemy. A phony evil so the government can do its dirt. And take away your freedom, lock and load, beat and search. Ain't nothing changed, but more colored people locked in prison. These pigs still beat us, but it seems we forgetting. But I remember 4 September how these devils do it. Fuck Giuliani, ask Diallo how he doing. We in the streets, holler jail to the thief. Follow fuck, waving flag, bring these wagons to their knees. Oil, blood, money, make these killers ride cold. Suspicious suicide, people dying, never told. It's all a part of playing God, so you think we need them. While being ash crossed, take away your rights to freedom. Bear witness to the sickness of these dictators. Hope you understand the time, brother, cause it's major. records always come the same keep it real ain't no fillers motherfucker blingin'. mine eyes seen the gory of the coming of the beast so every story every word i'm saying fuck peace see you could witness the illuminati body count don't be surprised these are devils that i'm talking about you think a couple thousand lies mean shit to killers nigga i swear to god we the ones ain't no villains or any other word they think to demonize the country ain't no terror threat unless approval rating slumping so i'ma say it for the record we the ones that planned it ain't no other country took a part i had their hand in. Just a way to keep you scary so you think you need them. Praising Bush while that killer take away your freedom. How many of us got discovered but ignore the symptoms? Niggas talking loud but ain't nobody saying shit. And with the fourth amendment gone, eyes are on the first. That's why I'm spitting cyanide each and every verse. I see the Carlisle group and Harris Bank accounts. I see them plead the fifth each and every session now. And while White Stag burns, see the public buy it. I see the profiling, see the media's compliance. War is good for business, see the vicious make a savior. Hope you understand the time, brother, because it's major. silence 
good people who have put their lives on the line to fight for change. Good people. Good night.